0: What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. Uh, obviously, this has been a uh, trying week in the world of sports, and we'll get to plenty of stuff going on with Kobe Bryant uh, after the tragedy that happened. If you listen to our Hero Talk uh, show, you heard to talk about it a little bit. We'll probably go a little more in-depth today today. Um, for our first time on the sports talk, speaking about the tragedy and just what our, our thoughts and just uh, just the, the impact that Kobe left on us as individuals. So that should be uh, hopefully a cathartic conversation, despite the the, the horrific tragedy of him dying uh, along with those uh, other families in that in that uh, helicopter, along with his daughter, Gigi. Um, we'll also talk uh, football. We have the Super Bowl this week. So um, we got to give you guys a picture and break down that game. We'll also have a discussion on the NBA All-Star selections, which just came out a couple of hours ago. So it'll be a fresh conversation, which has to be really fun. And of course, we'll have Who's Flames, Who's Trash, Kendall's Core at the end. Should be a great show. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall. Kendall, what is up, man? Yeah, man. This has been a uh,
1: an interesting—I I, I won't even say interesting. It's been a, a tragic week in the world of sports, um, leading right up into the Super Bowl, which is obviously— uh like you know the the pinnacle of American sport in terms of uh at least you know in the new age originally it was the World Series but the Super Bowl has kind of surpassed it as the pinnacle of American sport. Uh and to have what happened obviously out in California this weekend uh with Kobe Bryant um such a such a, a stark contrast and um you know, it's, it's 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 still hard to even fathom. You know, obviously what happened. We'll we'll discuss that more in detail. But um, obviously we have that. Plus we have, again, like you said, the Super Bowl, which is a massive, 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 massive thing. You know, this is a game that we've been looking forward to for two weeks. You know, this uh, San Fran Kansas City matchup is one that I think people have certainly uh circled as some of the more anticipated super bowls um you know in recent memory i think because of the matchup of uh mahomes versus uh the sam france team that's played so so great in this postseason Mm -hmm. um i think that's something that people are obviously looking forward to um and then i i have some very interesting takes on the uh on the All-Star Game, which, uh, you know, we'll get to that, you know, the, uh, the the Laugh Olympics that were the All-Star Game reserve picks. Wow, the Laugh Olympics. <laughs> Kendall, <laughs> <laughs>
0: what a reference. He said, the, he said the All-Star selection was a clown show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <man. laughs> that should be so. Uh, and what's been a difficult week. Hopefully, that'll be a, a, a fun conversation to have because I, I actually don't think they did that bad, but we'll we'll discuss it. Um, but let's get back to, um, uh, the, the top of the show, which of course is, uh, Kobe Bryant's passing. So by now you've heard, but we'll recap just quick quickly here. Um, obviously, Kobe Bryant along with his 13 year old daughter Gianna were on a helicopter with seven other people that crashed in the, uh, in the in the Los Angeles area, they were apparently on their way to the Mamba Academy in Thousand Oaks, where they were going to have some kind of basketball game or basketball practice, ever different things. Um, and 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 of course, they did not make it. Apparently, it was a heavy fog situation and and, and fairly dangerous uh, conditions to be flying in. And and unfortunately, they, they hit a mountain and 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 they and they all perished. All nine people, in uh, junior college baseball coach who was a legend in the area also perished I mean, just a truly um tragic situation all around and I spoke about it on Sunday but for those who didn't hear I will echo those sentiments and more you know I feel like the reason why Kobe Bryant's death has resonated with so many people is just because of regardless of what your grind is whether it's playing basketball whether it's uh, you know, you're, you're a garbage man or a garbage woman, a sanitation worker, or you're, you know, a lawyer, or, you know, you could be whatever it is. You know, there's very few things in life in this country, really in any country, but especially in this country, that you can, you can get by in not doing hard work. And I think for a lot of people, Kobe represented that ideal of the nonstop work ethic, doing whatever it can, whatever it takes to uh to improve in, in your job status or improve in your life status. And Kobe was that was a testament to that. You know, we, we talk about the mama mentality and it's something that we saw him discuss. We saw it up close and personal. We've seen his or heard about his training regimens and his uh his his absolute love and passion and, and almost obsession for the game. I think for a lot of people who 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 are passionate about anything they're doing. That that love for that for that for that game, the game of basketball, that drive, that uh, determination its just something that anyone can relate to. I think it's like someone like me who played basketball throughout my youth, who definitely when I was training, when I was working out, 100 percent had the idea that mama mentality in my head when I was practicing. You know, I don't think it was called the mama mentality yet when I was playing, but we knew him as the mamba and we knew what it meant to, to work hard because he set that example. And as I've seen someone else say it before, and I agree, Kendall, I think what also made him, and uh, I think you'll speak to it a little bit because we talked about it a little bit off air, but I think what made Kobe also so um, relatable is the idea that, it's in a way similar to Jordan, in that, you know, yes, both guys, especially you Kobe, no, were great athletes, obviously. But we didn't look at them as a superhuman freak uh, athlete kind of like the way we think of LeBron or someone who uh, as like you know someone like Colin Cotter would say won the genetic lottery like Shaq or Kareem, guy, Will Chamberlain guys who was 7'1 7'2. Yeah Kobe was 6'6 six six and he was a great athlete but the way in which he dominated required so much skill so much footwork so much artistry I think people related to that because they felt like they could in the end of the day anyone any of us could have been Kobe. Not any of us all of us are gifted to be six six, but I guarantee but if you were six two and you had Kobe's skill, you'd be in the NBA. But like, that's how right. that's how he amazing. Right, exactly. Exactly. Kyrie Irving's a great example. Like that's I think that's his game was so relatable because you can go out in the park, you could play a game like Kobe Bryant. Yeah, Kobe Bryant dumped and stuff, but I mean Kobe Bryant is prime. We weren't thinking of him as a guy who was dunking on people all the time. He was a guy who was shooting mid range, reverse layups three-point shots. Like, that's the kind of game that I think everybody feels like they could have played. And seeing how dominant he was in that brand of basketball, I think also really um, resonated heavily with people. And and the last point I want to make is uh, obviously just when we think about the love he, he, he appeared to have for his family. And when you hear that his daughter was unfortunately one of the people in that helicopter, it's just heartbreaking. You know, we got to see Kobe grow up pretty much really for almost his entire life because he was someone who was thrust into celebrity as a 17 year old taking brandy to his high school prom high school superstar legend in philadelphia drafted in the nba goes to the lakers he plays 20 years in the nba um retires stays still in the limelight whether it be different business ventures movie ventures he wins an oscar We've seen his entire maturation process through a lot of ups and a lot of downs, which I'm sure we'll also talk about as well here. But to see him become a family man, and to see the way he was able to share not only his love for the game, but his just love of life with his daughters, with his family. Especially when you consider that was an aspect of his life he struggled with mightily early on, family life, being a family man that's all, That's the last part of it that I think really also tugs at people. We've seen him courtside at games with Gigi. We've seen him uh, in his last game. He had that very emotional, wonderful uh, tribute to his wife and his daughters uh, about all the sacrifices they made you know, for him to, to be the great player he was. And to see him, it looked like really, really truly take off in that role as being the super dad and and, and seeing what, what appeared to be just what, what a wonderful job he was doing and how great those girls are that's the last part of it that just really, it's like the trifecta in terms of just the loss that people are feeling about this and you know, I, I said it on the other show, you know, I have I, I've in my adult life, I didn't travel much as a kid, in my adult life I've traveled a lot more around the country because that's something I've always wanted to do and Uh, Los Angeles is without doubt one of the top two or three cities that uh, that I've been to. One of my favorite cities in America. I absolutely love Los Angeles, and when you enter that city, especially if you're a sports fan, but I think even if you're not a sports fan, it's palpable how much that city loves Kobe. You could see it. You could walk into a cafe; somebody's wearing a Kobe jersey. You could drive around the city. Some there's a Kobe monument somewhere, or you know, Kobe mural somewhere. Of course, there. Uh, be a monument for him very soon I would assume um, you can just feel it and then when you're a sports fan it's crazy because you're like wow LeBron's here and like you can still feel Kobe's the man I go to a Laker game and they're just making Kobe jerseys that they're all LeBron jerseys if not more uh, he truly truly really you know Magic is still of course Magic he's still a Nikon but I think now that there are so many kids my age and millennials now becoming adults and and and, and you know, becoming in bigger positions in different places, you can almost feel, not that Kobe's a magic in any way, but that Kobe now was also at that same level in terms of the love and just the admiration he felt um, from the city of Los Angeles. So for me, me loving the city so much and knowing how much Kobe means to that city, that also just is heartbreaking. You see the people, I mean, there's been some awesome man on the street interviews with people talking about what Kobe meant to them as just a like person living in Los Angeles it's uh, it's been a truly, truly sad week for um, that city. It's been a sad week for basketball fans and 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 Laker fans, and and for just a lot of people, just period, who who maybe not even be basketball fans, but knew uh, what Kobe Bryant represented and the positive, the positives he represented, and, and why that's uh, it's so sad to hear about his tragic passing. Kendall, do you want to say anything about Kobe? Yeah, I mean, obviously.
1: You know, that moment on Sunday was that day was extremely tough. Um, when you talk about, I mean, we did our <laughs> our Hero Talk podcast on that Sunday, and I mean, that wasn't easy to do, you know, like no, it was not for me was, either. Yeah, it was extremely distracting. Uh, um, uh, in some ways, it was good, you know, to get away from some of the, the just like the the I don't, just you know, the sadness, but. Um, but from just a, uh, again, a focus standpoint, it was not easy. Um, so I can't imagine like those guys that tried to play and compete, uh, in NBA games on that day. That was obviously tough. You know, when I saw the, when I saw the headline, uh, I had literally saw it like two minutes after TMZ posted it on Twitter. I was just, I, I was, I, I, I went online and I went on Twitter and saw Kobe Bryant was trending. I thought something was strange because usually someone of Kobe's magnitude, when they are trending, like it's not going to be their full name. You know, Kobe, if, if Kobe's ever going to be trending and he is ironic that obviously he was in the he was in the 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 people he was in people's minds because LeBron had just passed him uh, the night before in Philly. Uh, on the, the scoring list, the all-time scoring list. And so, I mean, I thought it was strange that Kobe Bryant is trending and not, like, just Kobe. And so I click on it and see, oh, you know, I'm expecting to see a highlight video or, you know, something, you know, some sort of meme or some joke. And I see the TMZ article and people talking about RIP Kobe and stuff. And I'm like, what? And it was all so fresh. Like, there was nothing, it was nothing confirmed. It was only the TMZ. And people asking, is this real, what? Helicopter crash, you know, and then the people were linking the original uh LA County Sheriff's Office tweet that didn't name Kobe but just said it was a helicopter crash, and you kind of puzzle two and two together. And at that point, that's when I'm like, wow, this is this is crazy. And um, then the Woj tweet comes out, and then you know, obviously it's confirmed, but then we have a lot of misinformation going back and forth, and you know, obviously now we know all the intimate details, but um yeah i mean that was obviously a very tragic day um and i i i spoke to you about this and i know you said that you wanted to mention this on hero talk but what made this feel so um unbelievable and like what made this one feel more different than i think any other celebrity death i've ever seen and almost anyone that possibly could be that possibly could be had is Kobe Bryant of all people, especially when we're talking about sports figures. But even beyond sports figures, it's probably the closest thing we we have we've had to Batman. And it sounds it's it and it sounds like uh you know sounds like. Funny to hear that, you know, you did call Kobe Bryant as Batman. But, like, a lot of people in Los Angeles, Laker fans, not even just Los Angeles, just basketball fans in general will tell you that they looked at Kobe Bryant as a superhero. And this guy with the, you know, obviously very intelligent. EJ mentioned the drive that he had, the the extreme focus and skill level uh, for the game of basketball, all the ventures that he had set up for himself outside of the game of basketball. He was very much what, and Kobe Bryant, he's very much like Bruce Wayne. Uh, and Kobe Bryant has said that he looked at himself as Darth Vader, you know, <laughs> and funny. yeah, which is ironic, but um, he like, I mean, he very much reminds me of, of, of Batman. So what makes that, 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 uh, that accident so unbelievable is that, like I told you, it'd be like, if, in a DC comic book, or a Mar- or in a DC or Marvel comic book, they had someone like Batman uh, die in a helicopter crash, or die because they got an, he, he crashed the Batmobile. Like that would seem so unbelievable. It would seem it would seem like such awful storytelling. But that's why this this doesn't feel right. It just doesn't sit right. And obviously, this guy, you know, the when you think about his family all the things that he did Um, and the other thing for me that makes this so tough um, because we talk a lot about you know his connections to all you know Shaq and Kobe and I mean Shaq and you know LeBron and Kyrie and the Lakers and obviously like what makes this like what's allowed me to kind of continue to move forward and not dwell on this so much is that is luckily i won't say luckily but like it feels like people have you know rallied around each other and because there are so many people that are kind of grieving with this it has allowed people to kind of all you know grieve at the same time and you know lift each other up so that's it's been a a unifying effect There's a unifying effect to that but What's unfortunate about this is that not only has he had that lasting impact with the Lakers and the NBA and all those lasting connections, but it was almost even more disappointing is that he also had developed almost the same amount of impact that he had with the NBA with the WNBA and women's basketball and women's sports. And like, obviously you mentioned you know him coaching his daughter and their basketball team and uh, all the things that he did with her, taking her to NBA games, taking her to WNBA games, developing relationships with all the best de- women's basketball players, whether it be uh, Candace Parker, uh, whether it be uh, the UConn women's basketball team, whether it be the uh, you know Sabrina Ionesco at Oregon, just all the like Kobe and his and his daughter Gigi had become icons within the women's basketball community and they were kind of looked at as two people that were going to literally change the landscape of of women's basketball and potentially women's sports um and that's why this is also so tragic because like in the grand scheme of this like the nba will the nba will never be the same the the sports will never be the same american sports assets, but it will, the NBA will continue to prosper, but you do wonder if like, this is a blow to the WNBA that can really ever be accounted for. And that's, I mean, it's obviously, it's sad, you know, um, obviously you feel for his, uh, his family and not only his family, but all the, all the families affected, um, by that helicopter crash. Uh, the friends of all those people, uh, This is a very unfortunate incident, but, um, you know, again, like I said, it feels like, you know, because everyone else is dealing with a lot of the same things that we are, and, you know, everyone has a Kobe story, everyone has a connection to Kobe, everyone feels like they knew Kobe. Even if they didn't, that is a lot of people to all kind of share in their, uh, their grief.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think a I lot think of that was lot um, well said. Well said. Um, what I will say well, in terms procedure. of the Batman, the Batman, uh, uh, you know, comparison is that I I, I agree because to me, it kind of goes back to my point about you know, him being relatable because so much of what Kobe was able to accomplish as a basketball player was um was like self made. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like like he wasn't blessed with being seven foot two. He wasn't blessed with being you know this hulking six foot nine, two hundred sixty right. pound, just bulldozer. Like, like so, Mike
1: Jordan much... and LeBron are more like Superman, for example. You know because they have that extreme athleticism, especially LeBron. Yeah, LeBron for sure. You know, but you know, Kobe is more in the akin to Batman. It's
0: like like Batman had to teach himself how to you know all different kinds of martial arts and being an escape artist and trapeze work and. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, in acrobatics. Like, you know, like, Batman taught himself all those things. And when you watch Kobe's game, when you watch him as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid playing for the Lakers, and then watch him in his prime, you see how much better he got and how much he mastered the art of playing the game of basketball. That's, to me, always why that comparison. And then also the, the, the way his mind works. I mean, he was, uh he was in many ways, stubborn to a fault. And, and he did things in ways that always wasn't beneficial not only to himself but to his team very similar to batman i mean uh, their brain types are wildly similar and just the way they kind of came up are are, to me are wildly similar so that's i do agree with that sentiment again i wanted to mention on hero talk and just when you mention like
1: you know kobe's mind that's the other part that's so unfortunate about this because like I mean, he was, he, like, I've listened in the past, like, in the past year, I've probably listened to about three or four podcasts or long-form interviews with Kobe Bryant, and it's, like, I mean, he's just someone who's very, he was always just someone who's very interesting to listen to.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I'm sure a lot of people have now gone back and listened to more interviews. I mean, I, I watched, uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's tribute with Kobe, uh, for Kobe uh, this week, and that was very good while all of his interviews with with Kobe bryant but um seeing him on all these different uh or listening to him speak on all these different podcasts like and again these these, these i'm just i mean I, just two weeks ago i was listening to him with matt barnes and stephen jackson and that was just that that wasn't like i didn't expect you know he was gonna die obviously like i'm just listening because i mean it's Kobe bryant and, and i don't really watch those guys every every week i don't watch all their interviews um, you know they had D Wade on. I haven't listened to that one. They have they had Stephen Curry on, but like Kobe Bryant was different because I felt like I could learn something. You know, like I felt correct. like, you know, he like it's the way he his the way his mind worked with the philosophy. Yeah, um, and not not everything, not all of his opinions were obviously correct, and not everything that you know even, it's not the obviously some of the decisions he's made throughout his life haven't all been. Uh, correct, but um, you can tell he was always somebody that, that was developing and tried to pick up new things, and all the anecdotes that we've heard of Kobe over the past week, you know, you can definitely tell from the people that have stories with Kobe is that he he wanted to learn mm-hmm. so much about so many different things. And, you know, whether it be you know, uh, Gino Auriemma was saying that Kobe called him or texted him uh, like last year, like how do you coach man-to-man defense? And you know, texted him back like what? He's like, <laughs> and he's like, you know, I've practiced uh, later tonight, you know, with his with his girls' team. He, he's gonna teach them. He's gonna teach defense. So he, <laughs> he wanted to learn that. Yeah. You know? That's just like, and that's something that he did throughout his whole career. Boy, though, what, what? talk
0: about the how lucky you are. To be like man, because I've I've coached youth basketball, and like you know, lucky be like, hmm, I go through my phone and see who, who can help me out with this. Oh, Gino you perfect person. I mean, <laughs> that, I mean that speaks to just like this guy was like he, he was just, he, uh, just I don't he, know he, he's, he's to get every
1: advantage possible. He, he wasn't lazy in any stretch of the imagination, because like you said, it's girl, it's it's what twelve and under you is twelve and under girls basketball. Like teaching man-to-man defense isn't one; it's not that hard, and two, it's not like something that that that's that vital to, to winning games. But he needed he needed and wanted every advantage. He wanted to have everything in the book necessary to win, and that shows you the 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 type of the type of thinker and the type of mind that Kobe Bryant had that. You know i'm not only gonna not only am i gonna teach man-to-man defense but i'm going to reach out to the best women's basketball coach of all time and wonder and ask him how he teaches man-to-man defense to his girls and you
0: know he did that not only to effectively teach but to also make these experiences with his daughter worthwhile you know what i'm saying like you know you know, you could, you could, I mean, Kobe Bryant could have taught man-to-man defense, but it might yes. not have been as worthwhile. You know how different it is for him to go to talk to his team and say, "I talked to UConn women's basketball, Gina O'Reilly, and this is how. These are the principles that they play yeah. with, and that's what we're gonna do." Like that makes, makes the experience depth. with your your daughter. It makes the experience of uh, her with her friends and her teammates all that much more special. Like him going that extra mile, it says a lot about him. Not just because yes, he wants to win. But also knowing what that meant for the experience that he was ultimately trying to create, He's the guy created a freaking gym in Thousand Oaks and was willing to helicopter his daughter to a place that was normally driving two hours away for that experience. Like that, that like, it can't be overstated just how much he invested in this whole thing just so that his daughter could enjoy the love of the game that he had, and to see that it they they can no longer continue with that journey on this earth is extremely sad
1: yeah and you know i like this whole thing kind of puts into perspective like just you know all the irrelevancy of just all the debates you know we talk about we have we have fun on this show and we 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 you know make arguments about who's who's this who who's better than who or who's a hall of family who's not and like something like you know like you know it, Kobe or LeBron is something that we grew up with and we've we've heard for the last 10, 10 15 years and it's
0: it should just show this just shows you and puts it in perspective how how stupid that discussion is well you know, you know I mean I've said it on I've said it on this show it's corny and I, I've yeah. said this before unfortunately in Kobe's passing but that whole thing of who's the goat and Kobe versus LeBron and Kobe versus MJ and the three-way battle like all that stuff is corny man like these are all unbelievable great athletes and like the the idea there are people who are literally tearing each other apart in person or online arguing these incredible athletes, it's just to me it's just pointless. You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I've I've fully disengaged from it for about a year and a half now. I just I don't I refuse to engage in it. Because also like to to, to the idea that I'm gonna sit here and like Poke holes in Kobe Bryant's basketball career. Me sitting on my couch or sitting in my chair doing my podcast. I'm gonna poke holes in LeBron James's career. You know, it's like it's like for what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can feel a certain way, but what am I adding to the? What am I adding to the to the discourse by doing that? I'm not adding anything. Now of course it doesn't prove anything. I'm like, in a current conversation, we're talking about the the game of these teams. Of course I'm gonna break down these things. Yeah, but this exactly. whole thing right, of or MJ would never done this. Like I don't i don't need to do that. You know, I'm not if I'm if not judging anybody else who does, Minshew, but if you want to talk about
1: should Garden Minshew be a starter for the Jaguars, go right ahead. You can have those debates. Like that's like you said, that's relevant sports content, sports sports news. But like discussing the legacies of Two giants in the game of basketball to me is just and like, just like just over and over again. That's the thing about right. It. I we think have a, 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 an interesting conversation that is something in, in, from a perspective that, that we haven't seen before. I'm all for it. I'm all ears. But
0: the, the beating a dead horse yeah. about it is just like at what point is it enough? Like right. like to me, like I'm sitting there and I now I'm online. and I'm seeing and I don't need to name them. There are various people who have been online who have been partially critical of Kobe Bryant's career for whatever agenda they were trying to push. Or maybe some some of them, I don't think even were pushing an agenda. They may just have felt a certain way about Kobe. And seeing them saying the right things about Kobe Bryant's passing, about how tragic it is, and seeing all these Kobe fans just being like, we don't want to hear from you. You spent your whole career slandering Kobe and blah, 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 blah. And like me feeling like, okay, number one, this isn't what this is about. We're not talking about Kobe versus LeBron. Like that's not what this is. But at the same time, also feeling like, man like if our like sports discourse didn't i'm not saying they pushed anybody into anything but because we're all in the getting our own corners like now like that guy becomes the anti-Kobe guy and now he's putting on a stick that he has to put on purely because it's just what he has to do because that's the persona he's put on television or put on radio or put on print He feel like his back's against the wall Right, and now there's a real human tragedy, and he has, and that person, it could be a she too, anybody. They they have a real human response, and like the supporters of that, those people don't even want to hear from them, and they they attack them, they abuse them online, and that to me, it just, I think about like just where our sports discourse is. You know, I I talked to you off air, though. I I feel like the discourse of our country has just hit such a monumental low that I have taken, you know personally in my own personal life taking it upon myself to to tone down rhetoric to be smart about how I'm talking about anything anymore just because the way you talk to people I think the way we're talking to each other as a country is just so messed up that like to me that was also really sad is that you know during this terrible time of grieving you get people who write sports for a living or talk about sports for a living trying to pay their respects to a legend and look rightfully so some of these people said some messed up stuff about kobe bryant and to me it's like the, the it's the environment that we've cultivated sometimes has 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 as in has been created a lot of this nonsense that we've had and and i'm hopeful i've certainly seen it so far i'm hopeful that we can just completely move on from all that stuff the, the kobe lebron stuff i'm really hopeful that laker fans truly truly just put that aside i mean as we've seen, I mean, LeBron loved Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant loved LeBron James. Like, yeah. like that whole Kobe would have never done this, and you'll never be Kobe. Like that, that we just gotta stop doing. This, this is a this is a game, and this is a, this is a this is a sport. This is a game with entertainment. We we gotta put that stuff to bed because that stuff it it eats at people. I'm sure LeBron it probably hurt him badly. How much Kobe's fans, the guy he admired so much, how much they attack him. And that's his friend, and now his friend passed away. I mean, and even you,
1: even you see the, the the social media vitriol at LeBron after this. The people saying, "Oh, LeBron, make a statement. You don't want to talk about Kobe because you don't you don't love him, you don't respect him. You know, you know, you
0: did this, like just crazy stuff." And yeah, I mean that, that's 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 some Looney Tunes. Now yeah. I'll do that's the Looney Tunes. You know, I, I think Soul. for the most part, people have been great. But yes, there are All going right. to be those Looney Tune characters who are still going to push this. But I'm hoping as the time goes on, um, we move forward. And the other thing I want to mention too is I tweeted this because someone else mentioned it. I, I was about to tweet it, but you know we were going through our own stuff, and we'll I guess, talk about that maybe at the end of the show. But I also I'm, I'm really kind of wary of these people saying, "Oh, not the Lakers! They got to win the championship now! Like, they're going to win it now!" And it's like, man, be careful. Yeah, just be this careful. is a human. Tragedy. I think the expectation that people dealing with a terrible, terrible human tragedy are supposed to perform at their job better yeah. is extremely shallow. And I and I know they're sentimental favorites. I know a lot of people pushing that. They're, they do not mean any harm. So I'm no way trying to. And they're grieving too in saying that in a lot of these instances. So I I understand it all, but I just want people to be very careful because there are people in that Laker organization, that Laker locker room. Um, that coaching staff that knew Kobe Bryant extremely well, way better than any of us will ever know him, who are friends with him, who consider him family, and the idea that now they're gonna there there's an expectation that they will perform better because he died is just it is just again, the only where I can think of is extremely shallow, and we just gotta be careful. Uh, to, to me, we just gotta wrap our arms around the Lakers as a team and organization. I hope they can get through this. This is a a terribly terribly dark day for them right now and. I just now, been we- seeing that circulating, and I'm. It's just it, it bothers me because I'm like I, I don't. There's no to me if they didn't win another game, there should be. I wouldn't. I would understand. Yeah. You know, like this, like this. People have died. This is a sport. This is a game. This is a kid's game. That's key. Please put that in perspective. when We're talking about what the Lakers are gonna do. That's irrelevant. We just lost yeah, a basketball title. I don't what
1: LeBron posted. I, I, you know, people saying oh LeBron said he's gonna continue his legacy. This means. He's going to average 50. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I, I think in the
0: spirit, like, I think LeBron will try. I'm sure, look, these guys are all going to try their these best. These guys are all going to try. of course. But, but that, that added yeah. pressure that people yeah. are starting to heap on them now, just cut it. We do. Yeah. They do yeah. not need that. That is not. This is not the time for that. Like, and we've seen a lot of guys have elevated performances since Kobe's passing. You know, oh, for I'm sure, sure that yeah. had a lot to do with it. Um... I tell you, I'm sure there's some guys that played awful because of Kobe's passing. Yeah, we're, had, we're never going to talk about those guys.
1: Yeah, some guys, you know, like Kyrie played, I thought he played very well last night against Detroit. I mean, he only had 20 points. And like, that's not to say like he played bad, but, you know, people may have expected him to go out and get 60. Real you know, old oh,
0: Kyrie's getting 81 tonight. See, He didn't, but there's nothing he, wrong with it's it. It's a lack of understanding about, again, dealing with human tragedy. And, and again, I repeat that by saying none of these people mean any harm. They're, they're they're This is in support. They're rooting for these guys. I'm rooting for these guys. I'm rooting for every one of them, including Kyrie Irving, who's a Brooklyn Net, because I know how much Kyrie Yeah, same. You know, uh, how you close know how Kyrie And yeah, and he was a Boston Celtic who left you guys, so if there's, me and Kendall on the show saying, I'm hoping Kyrie Irving can finish this year strong tells you a lot, but that's because at the end of the day, man, again, this is a game, and yeah. and we love it. We talk about it passionately. I don't know ways want to want to make it seem insignificant. But when you're talking about human death, and you're talking about a guy who who gave so much to this game, and he passed away in such a tragic way, I, I'm telling you, I, I really hope it's a watershed moment for how we talk about uh, you uh, know, his whole thing. So what what do you expect?
1: Do you expect anything from the league?
0: Going forward, like, is there anything? Are there any? Something other... will happen. Um, the logo is, is, I think, the logo to me is the easiest thing. I think it doesn't sound like they're going to change the logo. The NBA, I even, don't get it. The, the logo won't the... Even
1: acknowledge the Jerry West for the logo, so they're saying, Oh, there are too many people, you know, that to put one person on the logo would be, But know. so one person's on the logo
0: now. That's like, the thing, but that's what people were saying. But like, the NBA is like, How do you know who it is? I mean, come on. That's just a me, stupid. And yeah. and I'm, I'm hopeful. Like, to me, I like that's kind of insulting, to be honest. Because, like, it again, this, it, we're talking about real human tragedy, and you're playing games. Stop. Yeah. We know who's who the logo is. <laughs> so, yeah. to me, that would be the easiest thing. I've heard of people do the 20, you know, retire 24, retire 8, all across the league. I am not as high on that, only because the only other – uh, player that has that uh has that honor is Jackie Robinson in all professional sports in America, North America. I uh, guess, right? I don't know if they've done that for they didn't do it with Wayne Gretzky, right? No. Nah. So I mean I I Kobe Bryant is again is a legend and icon and an unbelievable uh, uh ambassador for the game, but he he just isn't Jackie Robinson. And sure. I, I would not do that. I understand that tr- and people are saying, "Oh, but if he died, would, if he died at 80 years old, would you have done this?" That's a stupid question. I'm sorry. Like when someone dies tragically like that, of course, magnifies everything about them. That's not. I mean, that just like goes without saying. Like what makes us utilize, utilize e- e- eulogizing him in this way is because he will no longer get any of the accolades that was coming to him because he died so suddenly. Hence, why people are saying we need to do something for him to for his legacy to live on. So, I just don't know if the number across all leagues thing is something that I would do. Now, a lot of these teams seem to be doing it informally, which is I'm cool with. I'm fine with that. Mark Cuban and some of the other owners, I've seen a couple of owners say that they're not letting anybody wear Air 24. I'm fine with them doing it exclusively. I'm not sure if I'm putting Kobe's number up in every every, uh, arena. And... I'm going to keep it 100 because I always keep it 100 on this show. Part of that has to do with Colorado for me too. And this is in no way, I'm no way convicting Kobe Bryant. Um, I'm no way, uh, you know, saying that, you know, I'm not convicting him. I just feel like if someone like Jackie Robinson, again, who was such a trailblazer in every sense of the word, for Kobe to have some of the baggage that he had, and look, nobody is perfect. And and he he clearly had some issues. I don't know the 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 lengths of which how bad that was, we'll never fully, fully know. But at the very least, I think that would be enough for me not to um want to retire his entire jersey across the league. Now, that's not to say that he, he should be retired as a Laker, he'll retire as a Laker. But it's not to say he should again. I'd say he should be the logo. So I, I'm not one of these. There are a lot of people who are taking this opportunity to uh, to smear his name in a way that is gross and disgusting, and it's uh, it's been quite offensive, to be honest. Um, as journalists, we're supposed to be objective, and we're supposed to tell the whole story. So you cannot tell the whole story of Kobe's life without talking about uh, the sexual assault charge that he got in Colorado and the evidence that was behind that. Um, especially when you consider how much of a interest and how much, uh, how much he invested in women's basketball and girls basketball in his later life and wondering how much what happened there could have affected that. You never know. But when I'm, when I'm putting all of it in perspective, I I would not go that far. That's just me. I respect the people who want to do that. That's fine. That's just my opinion. But to me, the logo is simple because the logo represents him as a basketball player, what the league represented as a, as at his core in terms of just on court performance. I'm fine with just him being that symbol. I don't know if him having his uniform up in every every uh, arena, especially in Denver, is, if that makes a lot of sense. That's just how I look at it. I don't know. I mean, I know to me, I I think it's ridiculous that the All Star Game. I know they came up with some cockamamie thing they're doing, which is we'll talk about. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know why they're just not wearing eight and twenty four. Like that to me was just simple. And maybe they'll still do it. There's still time. But you said there's going to be more things. So. To me, everyone the one size be wearing number eight, one size be wearing number twenty four. That's all anybody's asked for. It's it's only that's the all anybody wanted. About
1: that is like. In the essence of the game, like, you know, guys have to wear different numbers. So, Why? Yeah. I guess just from the from a official scoring standpoint, from a referee standpoint.
0: Man, everybody knows who's on the court. The referee <laughs> I mean, can yeah, say, follow on Damian Lillard, take the ball out.
1: Like come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like that's more for high school
0: in <laughs> yeah. college, but like so yeah, I see what LeBron you're takes two free throws. I mean you guys ain't number twenty three takes two free throws. We know who he is. I mean, like, if you're at the score table and you don't know when I tell you that John's not the cupo, uh, just got his third foul, you shouldn't be at the scorer's table. Yeah. Or
1: I also thought, like, you know, have a name on the, have a number on the front and a number on the back, but, I mean, no, I see what you're saying. Um, I mean, yeah, you could definitely yeah. do that, too.
0: You could also... Like, put, get
1: rid of the logos and put just put 8 and 24. Yeah,
0: and then, and then the players could actually wear their real numbers on the back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You could absolutely do that, and I'd be cool with that. Um. Yeah,
1: no. I mean, uh, you know, I, it's 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 obviously because it's still so like it's still so fresh, and we just dealt with the the, the David Stern thing. I know, and like yeah. unfortunately, I, I kind of feel like that got swiped, swiped under the rug. Yeah, I mean, they're still wearing the patches for David Stern. Yeah, you know the the the, the black patches on the jerseys, the stripes on the jerseys. Um. You know, do you do something else like that for Kobe? You know, I mean, I like, I don't know how you even represent this. Um, Can't even begin to imagine what the Lakers are going to do. But, yeah, no, I mean, this is, this should, the the entire NBA season, the narrative on the entire NBA season has changed. Um, You know, the narrative on the Lakers season has changed, the narrative on the Clippers season has changed, the
0: narrative on every team changed um except for the Knicks who who are still a absolute clown show yeah yeah the Knicks are last night
1: yeah yes yes the Knicks are probably the only team that uh kind of still the same team but it's uh it should certainly be um interesting to watch you know I'm starting to finally you know get back to being able to watch these games you know, because those first two, those first two or three days, three days, I couldn't watch basketball. Like it was, it was just yeah, too sad. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, the games in the whether it be high school, college, NBA, none of the results meant anything to me. You know, like it was, it was, it was all numb. So, um, you know, I'm finally starting to be able to get back to being able to watch games and care about the results. It seems like the players now are starting to get, you know, back to. uh back to normalcy um, which is good to see but you know obviously we'll see what the Lakers do on Friday night that'll be kind of like the last thing to watch uh, in relation to you know Kobe Bryant specific- specifically But uh, until they all set break but, um, but yeah we'll see uh, but obviously this was a uh, a tragic day in the world of sports tragic week in the world of sports
0: I gotta quickly give um, I think you should too. Um, but I'll go first since I didn't ask you before the show. But I want to give my f- favorite Kobe Bryant moment on the court. And, man, it's a lot to choose from. And it's very difficult to pick one. But to me, uh, to me, I got to pick one that I watched the whole game and, and, and I was in it completely. Uh, I'm going to go with Kobe Bryant's shot against the Suns in 07. Um, 07. I want to say it was a game 4 right. or game 5. Uh, I think it was Game Five. The Lakers yeah. are playing the Phoenix Suns in the uh, first round of the Western Conference playoffs, and I know. Look, Kobe's hit Game Winning Shots in the NBA Finals. He said he's made great plays in the Western Conference Finals, and, and, and I, I understand this was a first round um, game. But I thought, to me, this play just completely—it um, kind of that. Was, like everybody has their moment with a player when you realize this guy is that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like with Jordan when the shot against Elo, like, you realize this guy is that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. I don't know what that moment is for LeBron, to be honest. Probably Cleveland. Well, uh, prior against Detroit. Um, uh, Detroit, you know, going against Ben Wallace and them scoring 27 straight points. Like, like and to me, even though Kobe had won three championships – we, you remember the conversation. I certainly remember like it was yesterday. The conversation was, yeah, but he did it with Shaq. And yeah. how great is he without Shaq? And if people don't remember, that first year, Kobe Bryant, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. They had a miserable season. He was injured. And it, so it, they had Andrew Bynum. Yeah, exactly. They didn't get a lottery pick. So things were not going well. And Kobe Bryant had, uh, in 2006... Just an incredible, incredible season where he averaged 35 points a game. And I know we were seeing James Harden kind of rewrite the history books with the scoring he's done recently. But averaging 35 points a game in 2006 just seemed unheard of. It seemed completely unheard of. Like, I never thought that was possible. And he was playing with a team that was so uh, so lacking in talent I gonna say bad, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty nicer. Smush Parker started 82 games at point guard. Chris Mim 82. started 56 games at center. Okay. Kwame Brown started 49 this was the games. NBA, the NBA 2K6 Lakers man. I mean, this team. I yo. I had to take a picture because because the 81 point game came on. 81 point game came on, and I had to take a picture of the starting line because it was Kobe and Smush in the backcourt. It was Lamar Odom, Kwame. And Chris Mim. and I'm like, first of all, the idea of playing Chris Mim and Kwame, Kwame Brown in the front court together. Yeah, yo, you try to do that in 2020. Yeah, yo, you're losing by 30 every night. You're guaranteeing a 20-point loss. Like that's like that's absurd. And and I mean, was, where's the scoring coming from? You got Switch Parker yeah, at uh, point and Kobe. Uh, yeah, field man. Field. Kobe Avis 35. Yeah, <laughs> <man. laughs> 81 in that game. <laughs> But this season was remarkable because the Western Conference, as it always is, but just like that season as well, complete gauntlet. And you're seeing Kobe put up these incredible numbers, and that this first round matchup against the Phoenix Suns, a Suns team that was uh, one of the best teams in the league. This is Mike D'Antoni, uh, you know, you know, seven seconds or less. They won 54 not games. Angry. People thought that the, the the Lakers would probably get swept, and not only were the Lakers able to uh, steal a game in. Uh, over in Phoenix, but then they were able to win game three and then in a must win game four for what we thought was a must win game four for Phoenix. Kobe uh, did the remarkable and he got a game winning shot shot um, off of a off of a jump ball. It was like it was always a steal. I don't remember what happened. It was, it, was, it was off the tip. It was a tip it and was, it, it was a jump ball. And then they, and they had a tip at half court. Yeah, they tip it and he gets it. And Kobe goes right to his spot. And just drills a jumper to win the game. And what I loved about that moment was because. it, it To me that whole game was just truly Kobe uplifting his teammates. Because you would think in that game. Oh how many did he score? 45, 50. Kobe only had 24 points in that game. Um, and yes he did have 7 turnovers. But he had 8 assists. And he shot 9 for 14. Because again they were triple teaming him pretty much every time he touched the ball. And and he also had five fouls. So we had to stay out of foul trouble in that game as well. But I remember just watching this game and being like, how the hell are the Lakers still beating this team? Like, it, it made no sense. The Suns were loaded. I know they didn't have Mark Stoudemire, but they still had Sean Marion. They still had Boris Diao. They still had Steve Nash. And they were an offensive juggernaut. And the idea that Kobe was just single-handedly carrying these guys and making his other teammates better, I felt like, wow, this guy truly arrived. And he had reached a level that he hadn't reached yet. And while they didn't end up losing that series, um, no help to Switch Parker and Kwame Brown <laughs> in some of those games. But and Tim Thomas did a crazy shot in game six that sent it to seven. But I just thought that, wow, okay, you you knew to me, I was convinced he was gonna win the championship at that point. Because his skill set, the mental toughness, all the things that you need to get to a certain level, they, they were there at that point to win without Shaq. He just didn't have the team anymore. But Just to me, that's the moment where I thought, wow, you know what? This guy is, I knew he was one of the greatest, but man, this guy is, is is on an iconic level. And that, to me, will always remain my favorite Kobe Bryant moment. I watched the whole game. I was glued because I rooted for the Lakers so bad because I hated the Suns because Steve Nash used to be on the Mavericks. I rooted for the Mavericks, and he left to go to Phoenix. To Cuban kind of kicked him out the door. But nonetheless, I still was salty about that. I did not want to see Phoenix advance. So I rooted so hard for the Lakers, and Kobe was just killing it the whole season so you couldn't help but root for Kobe. And when you hit that shot, I'm like, yo, this guy, this guy is the guy. Like, like how? How is this how are they a three one against this team? Um so that's my favorite Kobe Bryant moment. Do you have one? I know you have oh, some yeah, painful have. ones as a Celtic no, the, fan, but I'm the, one for- the 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 best is the 08 Celtics, you know, getting the ring over no, just, Um, Yeah, re- relax. relax. <laughs> By the uh, way this, by the Parker in that series in that game that I talked about shot two for twelve. Just let you know how much help yeah. he was getting at that time. But anyway, go ahead. There you go. <laughs> um Yeah,
1: there's a lot to pick from. You know, it's kind of it's kinda of ironic how like, you know, a lot of Kobe's moments up till the very, very end, kinda of come in very like almost shocking form. You know, it's like the lot of like a lot of my moments with Kobe that I remember vividly are one are things that I I find out after they happen, and when they when I see the headline I'm like what, and I look at like him tearing his Achilles, hmm. and that being a moment where I'm like this this isn't real right, like Kobe didn't tear his Achilles you know a week or two before the playoffs.
0: When he's playing, he's playing tremendous basketball. Yo, Kobe Bryant, that 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 might have been one. That might have been the most impressive run of his career. Yeah, from like you say, from a sheer from sheer just in, from a sheer impressive standpoint. I mean, the guy was he was thirty four years old, and, and you know he had all these other he had Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, and those guys were playing terrible. He <laughs> yeah. was just looking at the guys being like, all right, I guess I'll just do it Meta. myself. I guess I'll just do it myself, like Daniels, and at that age playing I mean, if you remember those three, four weeks where they were trying to get to the playoffs. putting forty eight minutes a night. Just nuts. To where he literally just felt ran out of gas. Literally just broke down because of just playing too much. Playing too hard. Yeah. And people wonder about low management. And you know, yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um but that obviously that's one at, you know, people, you know, uh we forget about the gold medal game in 08, against Spain, that oh, was yeah. like you know it's four or five a.m. You know, I kind of I wake up and you know I see Team USA's kind of in I wake up in the middle of the night, it's dark, <laughs> you know, I'm like ten years old or whatever, and like I see Team USA's kind of in, in a tough game which they hadn't had pretty much the entire tournament, um, and Kobe Kobe takes out Spain almost single handedly, um, but the one for me that's kind of That's the one that's like was the biggest OMG moment of Kobe's career for me. Uh, Obviously, the game seven against Boston was was uh was certainly interesting. You know, I think that that's probably the biggest OMG moment of Ron Artest's career outside of the Malice of the Palace (laughs) than it was uh, for Kobe. But uh, for me, is it's it was waking up the morning after his last game Mm. and finding out he had sixty points. Yeah, yeah, having not watched it. Because I said to myself, why would I want to watch this? Like, you know, I'm not a Celtics fan. I mean, I'm a Celtics fan. I'm not a Laker fan. I was not a Kobe fan at all. Um, and now mind you, I've lear- I learned very much to appreciate Kobe much more post his career than during. Um, but I'm not a Kobe fan at all. Uh, in fact I didn't really like the guy that much because of the fact that they beat us in the 2010 finals and I felt like we should have had that ring that ring so there was obviously still some animosity towards Kobe throughout you know at the end of his career yeah but um so I'm like I don't have to watch this plus he was playing pretty bad basketball that entire season so like I'm like what am I, am I gonna really just watch Kobe score you know 14 points in an inefficient game and you know I don't really care much for I could watch his thing on YouTube I could watch his speech on YouTube. You know, it's like 1 a.m. I probably have school the next day. And I wake up and I see Kobe Bryant had 60. You go to ESPN.com. I see Kobe Bryant had 60 points. And like, I don't know if I've ever been more shocked at a headline waking up in the morning, a sports headline waking up in the morning. Yeah than waking up to seeing that this guy had sixty points in the final. Especially game. Especially if you watch Kobe Bryant that because he it was a struggle. That's, that it was such a struggle. <laughs> it was a struggle, man. You know, there are guys where like if I wake up and I see they had sixty, I'm like I mean it's possible. Even if they're not superstars. I mean it's possible. Yeah, especially in this day and age. Yeah, especially in this day and age. If I wake waking up like if I woke up tomorrow and I see Trey Young had sixty points, I'd be like, wow. You know, that incredible game. Even Brandon Jennings scoring his fifty-something points was probably more <laughs> less improbable than Kobe scoring sixty in his last game. But you want to talk about just just the, the storybook moment that that game was. Um, you know, Mike Tirico kind of made up a story about Gordon Hayward getting a lane violation <laughs> intentionally, so <laughs> Kobe could get.
0: Yeah, I saw. I didn't. I didn't. Even, I saw Gordon Hayward having to tweet that along with his <laughs> really his. Night. I felt like that was kind of. I felt bad for Gordon Hayward because I'm like, why does he have to address this when he's trying to address Kobe's passing? Like, it, it, yeah, it's but I guess he had no choice. I didn't even know this was a story until he mentioned it. Yeah, like I mean, and it's funny because like he was getting
1: praised. Like nobody was like looking at Gordon Hayward like, oh, why are you even doing this? A lot of people are like, oh, I just earned so much more respect for Gordon Hayward. Right. You know, because like like shows you, you know, the camaraderie that the league is. I mean, he looked at it, I didn't know because I would have killed him. That's corny. My opinion, but look at that. You know, Kobe. You know, have one free throw to get to sixty, and Hayward gets gets a lane violation just in case he misses. And (laughs) Hayward was like, "Nope, I didn't do that. You know, that that was not intentional. That was just really stupid play by me." Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Uh, but yeah, that that obviously an, an incredible game, and then just. You know, all the stories that you hear from him after at the end of his career of him working with a lot of these guys Yeah, uh, on their games. You know, he was one of the most accessible superstars, superstar Hall of Fame mentors that we've ever i tell you what,
0: man. Like so I alive, Yeah. I'm in, in, in the dream. i tell you what. I, I think that some of the players, and I talked about the old man syndrome and talked old head syndrome in basketball. And I think some of these players in the 90s and the 80s, the 80s guys are pretty good, but the 90s in particular, they're always salty for no reason. I, I take pride in seeing that the guys that I grew up watching, they big up these young guys so much. And Kobe, the greatest one of them all in that generation, right in line with like helping these guys out and being close to these guys. Like Kobe Bryant, he didn't have to talk to anybody after his career was over. He could have just, like Jordan, just went and just disappeared. And, yeah. and and Kobe, I mean, that's why a lot of these young guys are so hurt, because Kobe actually talked to these guys, and he knew a lot of these guys. And I, it goes back to Kobe, it goes back to Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, who's still playing, still mentoring G-Man. guys, Steve Nash, like, G-Man. I don't know what the difference was between the era before them, who they never want to see them give these young guys any kind of credit, they always bash him, you know, Draymond Green want to fight <laughs> Charles Barkley, like, I don't know what it is with that previous generation, but... The Sky one, business, man, LeBron's not this. Yeah, long. I don't know what I don't know what it is about that generation, but the generation right after that, again, a lot of these guys are guys I grew up watching as a kid. You grew up watching as a kid uh, towards the end of a lot of these guys. Like, say,
1: Hakeem Olajuwon the
0: exception. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say the exact same thing. Hakeem is like the only exception I can think of that, like, no, he he absolutely baked up the generation before him, but. I don't know. And Shaq
1: is like a hybrid. Shaq is, yeah, Shaq's
0: know. not too bad. But you no, know, every now and then, Shaq will then bully yeah, J- Jamelle I mean, McGee. Like, like you know. pot
1: shots at the big men.
0: Right. You know? So he, he's kind of, he's kind of goes back and forth. But like, and I, to me, I almost include him more. And he's like a 90s guy. So I'm he's a hybrid. But yeah. But like. You know, to me, and, and to be fair
1: to Shaq, a lot of his pot shots are, are warranted. They're unnecessary. But you know, the big men are kind of not that great.
0: Yeah. So. But um, but that's another thing I really um appreciate about Kobe too, was how much he really. Uh, really, baked up this generation that truly idolized him, and I know this is kind of a random one, but one other memory, and there's plenty of them. I mean, 2000 West Conference Finals, he crosses up Scottie Pippen, throws a lob yep. to and you realize at that moment a dynasty is born. Like you knew it. Like if you were watching that game, you watching the game like, oh man, the Lakers may lose this joint. Like I don't know what's gonna happen after this, cause like you know they brought in Phil and um and they were supposed to, they were supposed to go to the finals and win it all, and they made all these trades. They traded Eddie Jones, they traded Nick for next. Kind of heat. But, you know, Boston
1: loses to the Celtics. Man. Yeah, Kobe
0: and Shaq had a kind of crazy, weird relationship. So, like, it was you like things. The basketball, basketball, the NBA could have been entirely different had Kobe not crossed up Scottie Pippen and threw that lot of Shaq. So that's, that's also a, a monumental moment in Kobe's career. But the other one I want to mention is it's something early in his career, but I think it was uh, important. I want to shout out Mike Chiaccio, who ironically works at uh, for World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, but he's a huge basketball fan. was a uh, college teammate of mine. A high school teammate of mine, I'm sorry. And he mentioned Kobe Bryant starting the All-Star game at 19 years old. The youngest guy that ever started an All-Star game. And as a kid, I can't explain it. Because he explained it well because he's only a year older than me. As a kid, that was huge. Like, this high school kid was a rookie the year before. He looked like he was lost. He looked like he didn't know what the hell he was doing. And the next year... He's starting in the All Star game. And and he's going on against Michael Jordan. And he had eighteen points. He held his own. Like, and it's in New York City, it's in Madison Square Garden. Like, that was a huge moment. And like to me, just like like and Jordan was the MVP and he torched the Western Conference and they won easily. But when I think about Kobe Bryant's career that's something that I'll never forget too. Like just looking, thinking about how young and how spry he looked and seeing him and KG throwing out leaps to each other and realizing, man, this is the future of the league here. You know, we just watched the Royal Rumble and in and, and wrestling. And you see, like, you know, a lot of the older stars, you know, they, they, they do great and they go really far to the end. But then you see these other younger stars come in and they're interacting with these younger stars and they're having great moments. And, like, to me, that's what that reminded me of. It was like seeing this future champion that you knew was going to be a future champion uh, in this unbelievable moment and holding his own and putting on a show in front of the, – in in the mecca, on the biggest stage in the mall. Like, that was special. And the fact that Kobe, I, I guess he probably, I don't know if he still does have that moniker as the youngest player to start also game. He might, but. I think he does. Uh, yeah, so like, uh, well-deserved, man. <laughs> I mean, because he was incredible as a sophomore. Um, at, at 19 years old, playing in a league that at that point, it wasn't like there were all these guys entering early and um, all these guys that were coming out of high school. He was one of the first. So he's playing in a league that there weren't a lot of 20-year-old and 21-year-old guys even in the league. He's 19. He's starting in the All Star game and he's up against Michael Jordan. Like, I can't, I can't, I don't know, if, I can't put into to the right word just how monumental that was. But when I'm thinking about all Kobe's great moments, that, to me as a kid, and I was seven years old. I never forget that. That was huge. And, um, and that's something I just wanted to make sure I mentioned as well. Kobe Bryant, man, uh, you'll be missed. Uh, you, you, what you brought to the game just, uh, Cannot be replicated, and and what you did for my generation cannot be re- replicated. You know, uh, me and Kendall talked about it off air. We might have talked about it a little bit on Hero Talk, but it's it's selfish for me to say this. I said this in my in my Instagram post too, but I I do feel robbed. I feel robbed because you know one of the things. You know me and you, we're both basketball historians, and I love hearing. Isaiah talk about something from the '80s, and and even his and even though he was a terrible GM for the Knicks, hearing him talk about the guys now, like it's still interesting, interesting perspective. Hearing from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, hearing from Jerry West, who we he had some heartbreaking comments on TNT this week. Hearing yeah. from Bill Russell, like I just love hearing the old stories about the game, and then some of those guys re- relating the only- those old stories to this stuff today, yeah. and the idea that. I never in my wildest dreams could have imagined that Kobe wouldn't be one of those guys tell, shaping our conversations about the game, um, telling stories about the game from, when, from his years. And the idea that not only is he not one of the guys, but he would have been the guy for our generation. That's what's also so heartbreaking. Like, yeah. if there's any person that needs to talk about his generation of the NBA, it's Kobe Bryant. And yeah. the idea that... Not only is he not just a guy, he's the guy, and now he's gone, and we'll never get that perspective moving forward. As a, just a basketball nerd, man, that's just—it's it, it, yeah. it, it's a, it's yeah. a knife to the heart. And
1: you feel less for even our generation, because at least we, I, like— I, We know we, what I, happened. Yeah. yeah, we know Kobe, like, we know— we don't know how he would feel about everything, but, like, we've listened to Kobe speak about basketball for so many years now. Yeah. But, like, the the future generation won't get to experience that. Because, like you said, we get to, like, I get to retroactively listen to a lot of these guys talk about basketball. You know, the only guy for me that I haven't been able to see that's a a titan in the game is Will Chamberlain. You know, he's the one guy who hasn't been around. And, you know, like... Kobe and for a lot of people now growing up is going to be like Will Chamberlain. I know, you know. That's and that where he it. only he only lives on in his uh, in his numbers and his records and you know his highlight, interviews. Highlight clips, yeah, highlight clips and interviews.
0: Yeah, it's it's so sad. And um, again, I
1: condolences. You feel for the yeah, you feel for the family. You know, you feel for his you know his oldest daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, she lost her, her younger sister, you know. Yeah. I mean, I. you feel for the, the two young daughters who, you know, they yeah, don't really like know, babies that much. Yeah. yeah. You know, now they're growing up. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tragedy in all
0: manners of life. Yeah, man. Shout out to um, the Bryant family. Um, our biggest condolences to Vanessa, to Kobe's parents, to his sisters, to his kids. Um, to his friends. Massive, massive shout out to the um, the other victims of that crash. Some of the stories that come out about those other victims are just I mean, it It really just feels like, man, we lost some titans. Not just Kobe Bryant, like just some people within their communities and what they meant to their family, what they meant to their to their friends and their loved ones. It just, it's just it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's very, very tough and my deepest condolences and massive shout outs to them as well and their and all their uh loved ones and friends and everything. Um yeah, it's it's a sad sad situation, no doubt about it. Uh let's let's pivot here, Kendall, and let's let's talk about the Super Bowl. So we got the Super Bowl this weekend in Miami. I think this is a a great matchup. Now will it you know, will it live's expectations, we don't know, obviously, but, you know, We've been blessed with having a lot of really good Super Bowls for a while. And then recently, we've had a couple of terrible ones. I'm starting to get worried. You know, we had the, the last year's Super Bowl. The Rams and Patriots was a close game. but just terribly played. We had the uh, the Seahawks and the Broncos in, in New York. That was terrible. We had the Panthers and Broncos. That was terrible. So I feel like we're in kind of a bad stretch here. We've been getting a lot of bad Super Bowls. The Falcons and Patriots was great, though. The Patriots. Won. And then the Seahawks Patriots were great, but then the Patriots won. So even the ones that were great, it was like the team that won, nobody wanted to win. Um, right. But I think that I'm really excited about the Super Bowl because we have two teams that we have not seen uh, in the Super Bowl. We've seen them 49ers fairly recently, but they're entirely different teams than the last time we saw them. And we have, the Chiefs haven't been in the Super Bowl since, like, uh, you know, Hank Stram was coaching them. So um, this should be a really exciting game. It's a clash of styles. you got the, the rough and tumble 49ers. Um, their defense first, they have a smash-mouth running game. Uh, their quarterback has not had to throw for over 200 yards in either of their playoff wins. He didn't even have to throw over 100 yards in the last playoff win. They still dominated both games. And then you have the high-flying Chiefs, who have been going down in their games and then coming out of nowhere to just put up massive numbers, with, uh, led by, of course, their superstar quarterback, Patrick Holmes, uh, who, if he wins the Super Bowl, can the, would be the youngest Super Bowl Youngest player to ever win a Super Bowl and win league MVP in his career. Wow! So, because he's only 24 years old, so that speaks to what he's already accomplished uh, uh, as a as a as a young player. Kendall, who do you got in this game, and why? Um, I've gone back and forth on this one. So have I. Because
1: I think from. This is a this is a head-versus-heart situation, man, because I feel like my head is telling me the, that Kansas City is a better team. Hmm. Like, they are they're a better team in the many facets of the game. Uh, they have the best player in the league. Uh, and it feels like, you know, Mahomes is ascending to a point where, like you said, it seems like he's on the trajectory of being that guy that can win a Super Bowl at this age. Uh... With along with his MVP, but on the on the flip side, the San Francisco team like feels like the team of destiny on some level, and I mean they've ran through every team in the NFC they face. Um, they've they have uh, they have guys on this team that are more I don't want to say unheralded I mean. I mean, I would say, I mean, I would say in the in the 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 NFL landscape, a lot of these guys are more unheralded. Um, obviously, the Chiefs have guys that you know are underdogs as well throughout their careers, but you know, in recent years, have established themselves as star players. Whether it be you know Kelsey or Tyree Kill, you know Frank Clark, you know these guys now in the NFL landscape have become big names. You know the 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 Forty are doing with guys that aren't huge names. You know, I mean, obviously Kittle became a big name last year, but before last year no one knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, a lot of people didn't know who he was till last week. Yeah. Um, you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo was Brady's backup for a long time, you know, like they, they've they've done it in a way, you know, Nick Bosa's a rookie, like they've done it in a way that's a little different than what Kansas City's doing. But um at the end of the day I, I do feel like the talent level of Kansas City is just higher, and it, it, typically, I'm just gonna go with when I look at the quarterback matchup. I just trust Patrick Mahomes infinitely more than I trust Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. because I, I, it's it's hard to win a Super Bowl without throwing the football, and to beat this Kansas City team, you're gonna. Yeah, I can't imagine they're holding Canada, Kansas City under 35, 35. Thirty-five seems like a high number. Oh, well, I, I can't, I can't imagine them holding them to anything. Yeah, to anything below thirty-five. Like I, like they, I, they, they know, scored like,
0: thirty-five last week
1: against Tennessee or two weeks ago. Yeah, Tennessee was a great defense. They got you know. San Francisco a much better defense than Tennessee. I mean, San Francisco has a, has a great defense as well, but I don't know. I just. They're they're gonna this Kansas City offense, man. Like I mean, I, I get that he's explosive. I'm just it, it thirty five is a lot of points to be given. Eric Gennemy, you know he he was he was talking a lot of talk. He's been talking a lot of talk the last week. You know, he said every play that he's got is designed to be a touchdown, which I love the confidence. Um, I'm sure That's Robert, Sal- <laughs> Robert I'm sure Robert Salah loves the confidence as well. He Loves the bulletin board material that he he has for his defense, but um. But no, it, it should be um it should be a good matchup. But I, I just I don't know if San Francisco can match the offensive output that I expect from Kansas City. And look, maybe I'm giving Mahomes too much credit. Maybe Mahomes will have a rough day. But we're also talking to, like we're talking about the same dude that put like 50 on Houston in like three quarters. Like I I I don't know, man. I, I mean. If if San Francisco can come to play on that level, that would be a... This would be a Brady... This would be a Giants 07 level upset. For really? A point. Like... I don't, I don't agree. but Like, that team... like I Them holding the, that Patriots team to 14 points was improbable. And in 07. Oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, that that was... And if nuts. Kansas City... If, if, if San Francisco could do that to Kansas City... That would be equally improbable, but I think that's what they're gonna have to do to win. But I've seen Oakland handle Kansas City's offense fairly well. In know, Mexico, man, been rolling. Yeah, man, we know what happens in Mexico. You know, things are a little funny over there. You know,
0: the air—the air is a little different. Um, <laughs> no, just... I said it was Oakland, but I think it, it might—it might have been Denver. I think someone played them in. in, in, in uh, someone played them. It was a Charger. That's who it was. I said a uh, team that used to play in Los Angeles. Uh the Chargers held them to only twenty four points. And to be fair, the Chargers also have a good defense. Um Yeah, I think you're giving I think you're giving way too much credit to this Chiefs offense. It's it's very good. All right, man. It's the very score two. It's ve- <laughs> no, it's it's obviously very explosive, but I here's what I say. I'll take that back. I'm not saying you're giving them too much credit. I think you're totally disrespecting the 49ers defense. Totally. Like, you're talking about a defensive front with Nick Bosa. DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and D Ford. D Ford, yeah. And to me, this game is very simple. If the Chiefs protect Mahomes, I think they win this game. I can't I, – I, how much, I don't know. That's really going to depend on if if the 49ers can, can sustain drives. And the Chiefs' defense is kind of like – you don't know what to expect from them. Sometimes they look really solid. Other times – they, they can't stop a nosebleed, to bark, Bart, to, the, to quote Bart Scott. Um, but I haven't seen anyone block the 49ers all year. That's why I'm surprised that you have so much confidence that the Chiefs will be able to. Because it's not like the Chiefs' offense hasn't also had problems at times protecting Mahomes. The they have, this year. Now, they've played great recently. They've been on a great run, and they've been dominant in recent weeks. But they still haven't seen a front like uh, the 49ers have. Um. This is tough for me. Uh, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the Chiefs win a close game, but this is gonna be a I think this is gonna end up being like a bare knuckle brawl, and you would think that that game would favor the 49ers, but I think in a game where it's gonna be one or two plays makes a difference. I'm gonna say Mahomes makes one or two more plays more than Garoppolo because he's better than Garoppolo, and that's the difference. But I, I'm not giving the four I'm not giving the chiefs 35 points in this game that I, i'm I feel confident about anything above 28 I'd feel very wary of going over I think that the 49ers will will cause some issues in protection for the chiefs and the problem with the chiefs offense is they just it requires you as a defense to be perfect the entire game and if the 49ers had an offense that I thought would like just completely manhandle the Chiefs defense I would say the Chiefs I would say the 49ers are going to win because I, I, I do think that um the Four ers had some success but i rather do on defense but I just feel like the, the Chiefs have some playmakers on defense I think they're going to make Garoppolo maybe turn it over once I see them forcing a fumble I think to me the guy to watch on defense for the Chiefs is going to be Tyron Matthew that guy is playing some uh lights out ball in the postseason and I expect him to have a big game. I expect him to make a play at some point in this game. I also expect uh, Frank Clark to make a big play in this game at some point. Those are the two guys that I, I think will be X-factor defensively. I think there will be a big reason why the Chiefs end up winning this game. I think Mahomes, he may hit Tyreek Hill for one play where maybe 49ers get their signals crossed. And that might end up being the difference. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think this is like a... Like a 27-24 type game. I, I think this... And it could be even lower than that. But that's... Being conservative with like saying, okay, I'll give the Chiefs 27. I don't think that... I think that the 49ers going to be in their grow all game. I think it's going to be a great game though. I really feel like this is going to be um, a nip and tuck, you know, duke it out kind of football game. I'm excited to see it. But I, I'm surprised that you just have that little confidence in the 49ers front. Because I mean... Just every time I'm saying okay, well, the only offense I've seen really take them apart was New Orleans, and New Orleans gets the ball out so quick. That's just not the that's not the Chiefs' offense. The Chiefs they want to they want to hold the ball. That's why I think this is a bad matchup for the Chiefs. They were playing as a team. If the ers Nineers playing as a team that you know, like the, like the, like to me, the Saints are tailor made for the 49ers. because they get the ball out quick, their timing routes, and the the pressure that they can bring on you. It's not as effective, especially when the team that doesn't play a lot of man-to-man, and you have a guy like Thomas who can get open and find the holes in the zone, just in his sleep. The, the Chiefs play a different brand of football where they want their quarterback to hold the ball. They're doing five, seven-step drops. I think that's a nightmare trying to get, do that against this team.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, I mean, a lot of it's going to have to on the on the Chiefs side. Um, when you mention guys like Tyron and Matthew, you know I think he's somebody that could end up having a huge impact in this game. Um, you know he's played excellent in this postseason, and you know it's 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 good to see him kind of, you know, you know, obviously he had an ACL injury, and you know he kind of hasn't had the career. He he's been good, but he hasn't had the career that you know he had in college so it's good to see him really really pop with kansas city um but i expect he's somebody that could that could certainly make plays for that kansas city defense um and you know a lot of a lot of attention has been you know had on richard sherman for i mean for good reason he's he's an excellent player and you know the face of the defense from a you know from a personality standpoint you know he's the biggest he's the biggest name biggest mouth on the on the team but um you know i like you mentioned that the the biggest thing is going to be that defensive front um getting pressure on mahomes is going to be vital uh mahomes can make plays with his legs but he's not kyler murray he's not you know lamar jackson you know he can he can be contained so uh you keep him in the pocket force him to make plays and give him little give him, give him little time you know made Aaron Rodgers look human last week you know and yeah. that's something that's not easy to do I just think so, the fact that know. the
0: Chief, I just think the fact that the again I think the 49 ers effectively are it's hard to find any kind of team that could be a good matchup for the Chiefs but if I could find one I think the 49ers are, are a solid matchup because they get to you at four and they play a lot of zone and the chiefs are uh, they want big plays. they want to go down the field And they're going to require, this kind of defense is going to require Mahomes to sit in the pocket and really make reads. Not to say that he can't do that, but it's just not the way the Chiefs want to play. And I feel like him having to sit in that pocket and make reads and realize, okay, that first we might not be there because they're sitting in the zone. There isn't anything over the top. What's underneath? And then now, oh my God, Bosa's in my face. Like, I just see that that's what's going to happen. Like, I, I could be totally wrong, obviously, but... I think a team like they're just tailor-made for this team. If I thought the 49ers I've had more confidence in the 49ers offense, I would pick them to win. Um and it's, it's not a disrespect to Garoppolo and to Kittle uh and to Mozart who was incredible last week. He's got to play big now that, you know, Coleman's been hurt, but I, I just think I would I would like to I would like to see a little bit more of an explosive ability out of the offense as a whole. I, I don't think that your quarterback can— throw for less than 200 yards and beat the Chiefs, ever. I don't care how much pressure you get on Pat Mahomes. The the offense is going to be plays to some degree. And I I don't, the the fact that the Niners haven't quite clicked in their passing game yet is a little worrisome. Because there's been three weeks now where I haven't seen them put together a passing game that makes me confident that they could beat an elite team. So they're going to have to do it this week. I haven't seen them do it all playoffs. So that's why I'm a little wary
1: yeah um obviously so how do you handicap this coaching matchup
0: because, um
1: you know we got you versus. know a rookie you know not a rookie but a young coach in Kyle Shanahan versus you know a very seasoned very very seasoned vet in Andy Reid who hasn't performed well in big big spots
0: Yeah, both of these coaches have coached in the Super Bowl one as a coordinator one as a head coach both of them had heartbreaking losses to the Patriots both of them were criticized Which for how I, they coached both of those games. It's very I think
1: it's it's more, you know, and you say, you mentioned that and I think that's something that is very very important to mention is that mm-hmm. even though Kyle Shannon hasn't been a head coach in the Super Bowl, him having been there and had that experience is vital. Yeah, I, I I think that he's he not knows circus, he knows the experience because that's something that being being in an NFL team, you, you, not every team has that experience. Right. Yeah. That's something you can only experience if you've been there.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, like, and that's something that he he does have experience with. So, and you know, his team performed well for the most part. You know, until
0: they collapsed. But um. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think- I think Shanahan, Shanahan is not your typical second year coach coaching in the Super Bowl to me. Not at all. Like, I, I wouldn't You look at that as a disadvantage in any way because he not only has he coached in the Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator and put together a great three-quarter game plan. Just the fourth quarter didn't come 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 to fruition. But for three quarters, he put together a hell of a game plan. Um, coaching under a defensive coach. So it's not like the, the the head coach was coming in telling him what to do. Like, he put together a game plan on his own and was taking apart Bill Belichick. Uh and his dad, has coached in the Super Bowl, he's been around his dad since he was, obviously, since he was a kid. So, yeah. I, I think the Super Bowl, I'm not worried about that being an issue for him this week. Like, people, I think that Super Bowl was, a, was probably too big a spot for McVay last year. I don't think that that's going to have any effect on what happens in this game tomorrow. Or rather, uh, in a couple of days. Um, so, I, I, I do think that that's interesting. It's, it's, I don't know what to make of this coaching matchup, to be honest. Because uh, they're both... Two offensive creative minds. Um, Andy Reid has a long history of getting real tight in big, big, big spots. But uh, I mean, his team was just down big in the first two games, and they just exploded. Like, part of me is like, I mean, I can't. I don't know if I can really carry that history with him into this into this game. And last year they lost in the conference championship. But Tom Brady threw the game losing interception. He got lucky because. The guy jumped offside. D Ford, who's playing in this game, jumped offside. It's like, uh, I don't know. I think that these are two really great coaches. I don't expect there really to be any massive advantage or disadvantage. Not only the two great coaches, but both these teams have excellent coaching staffs. The coordinators on both of these teams are also outstanding. Um, yes. So that's that's also something to think about. It, it should be it should be a, a, a fun coaching matchup. Um, uh, I will be curious how uh, how the, the coordinator for the 49ers, how he plays this. Because, I, I again, I think that I keep saying it over and over again, but I think they're terrible made. I think that how the 49ers play typically just matches very well with what, the, what the, uh, the Chiefs like to do. So, to me, it's just a matter of execution. The Chiefs, again, the Chiefs protect uh, Mahomes, I think it's going to be a long day. Cause him just finding spots in the zone uh, is gonna be easy, but the problem with the, the whole problem with it, because have the 49ers besides Sherman have anyone in the back end that's scary, like they don't have any of these crazy playmakers on the on the rest of their secondary. It's Sherman. He's the guy. So if Sher- if if Mahomes has the time to sit back and just make his reads and avoid Sherman if he can, he's gonna find guys open. The whole problem is nobody's been able to get time for their quarterbacks against the 49ers except for New Orleans and are the. Chiefs gonna play like the Saints? I can't imagine that that's not in their DNA. So to me, this is more about enemy. really. Is enemy gonna adjust his game plan to help Mahomes out a little bit? Or are they like it don't sound like it. He not like he's it's not like it's gonna be strength against strength. It's gonna be like you do what you do, and I'm gonna do what I do, and let's see who wins. That might be a dangerous game. I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I really I, you could, as you guys can hear, I, I really wanna pick the 49ers, but it's just The offense, I just feel like they're gonna have to make more plays than they're capable of in this game. Yeah, you know, I think um,
1: another interesting dichotomy from the two teams from these two teams is not only the coaching matchup, which is very interesting, but also the uh, you know we have, I would say, the two best tight ends in the league. Yes, going at each other, and whichever team is more able to effectively utilize their tight end you know I think Kittle is more vital to San Fran than I think Kelsey is to KC, which maybe is explosive I don't think it's an explosive statement to make but you know it's just, it just says a lot because Kelsey's obviously I think I think Kelsey is the best end in the league but uh Kittle is more valuable yeah to without, them, Kittle, you know,
0: the, the, without Kittle the without Kittle the offense in San Francisco doesn't exist yeah it can't go yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they have, they have no chance they're dead on the yeah, rival. They, yeah, he's exactly.
1: the whole offense. Like Kansas City, I mean, Mahomes is so great. And you have guys like, you know, Hill and, yeah. you know. Cole yeah, you know, like
0: it'd be a tough day if they had a game without Kelsey. But, they, but they'd but they figure it out. I don't know exactly. what the 49ers are doing if they don't have Kittle. Because Kittle right. is also, not only is he obviously immensely important in their passing game, but he's immensely important in their running game too. Yeah, he's They're a team that keeps the tight end. Usually sometimes will run two tight ends out there. So they're a power-running team, and he's the best blocking tight end in the league. So yeah. if you don't got him also as a blocker, that's, again, he's their whole offense. They they will have massive issues without him. So that's why, you know,
1: whichever one of those guys could be more effective is going to be interesting. You know, I mentioned Tyron Matthew and, you know, Dan Sorensen even, who's come on uh, late with Kansas City. They call him Dirty Dan out there, <laughs> but um, you know those two guys are gonna have their hands full trying to deal with uh, Tyron and Matthew. But i mean, trying to deal with George Kittle. Uh, but I don't, I would imagine that uh, when it comes to uh, San Francisco, they're gonna be dealing. They're gonna have a lot of matchups where the linebackers gonna be, are gonna have to be dealing with Travis Kelsey because can't—you don't want your corners in one-on-one coverage against, you know, Tyree Hill and Nico Hardman Like, these guys could take the top off the defense.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, look, so. man. It's simple. That's why I keep saying. I think this game is a simple breakdown. If the 49 do not get to the quarterback, they are cooked. <laughs> it's that simple. They are, I mean, you can say that about any team, but you could argue maybe some teams, they had better guys on in the, in the back end. They could play more man-to-man. They right. think maybe they can, maybe they can kind of mix up the game and, and make it difficult. And if you can't get to Garoppolo, they can still win the game. Exactly, exactly. The 49ers, if they don't get to Mahomes, it's lights up. That, that's all that matters. But the, that's why, but it's so fascinating because the 49ers get to everyone. So it's like, yeah. how am I to assume they won't hit up Mahomes? They, they hit up everybody. So that's what makes this so fascinating. I think it's going to be a great game. So you're going with the Chiefs, big? It sounds I'm going like Chiefs. Uh. You saying 35, like, 35 points? So yeah, I'm gonna say the Chiefs, forty-one Niners, twenty-eight. Yeah, that's a convincing win. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna was- go. Yeah, I'm gonna go twenty-six, uh, twenty-three go Chiefs. I'm gonna say they're gonna be some some big plays late. It's gonna be it's gonna be nipping tuck though. It's not gonna be. Mahomes gonna have his numbers, but it's just it's gonna be difficult. I think he's gonna get hit a lot. I think that 49 defense will make a big play at some point. But I think the I think the Chiefs defense, what we're talking about all about the 49 defense, I think the Chiefs defense, and I'm looking at either Clark or Matthew, one of those guys will make a play that's gonna change the game. And then I I'm gonna say one of those guys ends up being the Super Bowl MVP. Another bull question right there. Super Bowl MVP will be Patrick. Okay. That's the safe. Safe bet.
1: There. <laughs> yeah, very safe. Thank you. Uh, I am not winning any money on that prop bet. You know.
0: But um yeah, that's yeah. no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's Tyron Matthew. I'm gonna say Tyron Matthew is a game MVP. He makes an interception or some kind of fumble recovery. He's gonna make some kind of play. He lives for these kind of moments. And you talked about how the great yeah, year he's he- had. You know, you talk about the great year he's had, and um, and uh, and he he hasn't played this well in a long time, as you mentioned. So, you know, he was all pro early in his career, but he hasn't been all pro or a pro bowler for like five or six years. So, the way he's played this season, coming off the knee injury, and and, and how he's played in this postseason, he just seems like he's primed for a big day. All right, Kendall, we gotta talk quickly about these All Star reserves. They just came out. A lot of people are upset, as usual. So, I give you guys the East. <laughs> You, you, you ready? You ready for the wacky the, the wacky races? <laughs> I like the Laugh Olympics better. That was a that was The Laugh Olympics is the NBA what's that game. Now. So uh, the Eastern Conference reserves are uh, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton. Right, solid
1: pick. Uh, Simmons.
0: Uh, okay, Chris. Okay, Chris Middleton.
1: Oh, uh, Jay- solid pick.
0: Jason Tatum. Great pick. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, Demontis Demontis Sabonis, <laughs> I'm I'm happy for Demontis. Yeah, we got a Zag in there, so we gotta yeah. love, gotta love that. Deserving, and deserving. Deserving, deserving Zag, gotta love that. Um, Kyle Lowry, <sighs> I don't know about that one. And uh, Bam Adebayo,
1: Bam another another guy deserving, deserving. I'll I'll let you do the West. So the West we had uh, Russell Westbrook, Damian oh, Lillard. A shaky one. Okay, Damian Lillard. <laughs> Oh, very deserving, especially if you watched Dame last night.
0: <laughs> Dame is the master of making sure he made the All-Star game by yeah. scoring 40 and 50 in the last two weeks. They should just call it the Dame Lillard. Whatever Russell, whatever Russell Westbrook's been doing for the last three weeks should have just been called the Dame Lillard. Because yes. that's what he's been doing. Um, Russell
1: Westbrook or, you know,
0: Ingram and Simmons, <laughs> all these guys. So, so uh, Diamond Mitchell. Solid, solid. Rudy Gobert. Solid, Nikola Jokovic. Solid, Brandon Ingram.
1: Uh, solid, uh, deserving. You know, like he's a guy. You know, I'm happy for him.
0: And Chris Paul. <sighs> That's another one, man. I don't know. All right, so so I don't know. I I don't have a huge issue with either of these lists. Um. Yeah. The big ones I, I people are mentioning are Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Let me. So we let's, talked let, about those guys last week. Yes, we did. Bradley Beal in particular. I talked. Yeah, about you talked about him. him starting.
1: I, I said he got snubbed from the from starting the line I <laughs> yeah, with Trey Young on there, and I didn't think there was even a slight chance that he. <laughs> I thought he was a lock, so I didn't see him on the list. I was confused. I was very very confused. <laughs> But I
0: tell you what, Kendall. I, I, to... I tell you what, Kendall. I, yeah, will, but... I, I can live with Bradley Beal not being on the All Star team this year, man. I can live. So with it. We'll see Trey Young out also, man. No, look, I I would not have voted Trey Young as a definitely not as a starter. I would not have done that. But if we're talking about a team and their numbers attributed to any kind of form of winning. Look, Bradley Beal's averaging twenty-eight points. I don't know. I don't know this every minute guy averaging twenty-eight points and not make the All-Star game. The Last guy to not make the All-Star game averaging twenty-eight points
1: was Purvis Short in nineteen eighty-four. I'll be honest. I've never heard of Purvis Short in my life.
0: Oh, you gotta talk to Dad. Dad knows Purvis Short.
1: Like what? Are we, what are we talking about?
0: Kendall, his team is what fifteen. Kendall, about? his team is fifteen and thirty-one. His team is fifteen and thirty-one. Kendall. Like I, I get it. He's, He's had had a, game, Nobody's complaining. Look, look, we had no control over that. Part of that is the fans. I totally I have no I, I get everything with Trey Young. I totally agree. I do not think he should have started. That should have been a conversation. He shouldn't he should have had to sweat it out just like everyone else with the reserves when your team is as bad as his team is. But Bradley Bill's team it they're fifteen and thirty-one. And so you're telling me that So you're telling me that
1: you you trade Bradley Beal with any of those dudes that made the reserve, is that team any better? Well, any of those dudes in the Eastern Conference: Tatum, Middleton, Lowry. Lowry's the one where I'm like, you put Lowry on the Wizards, they might be the worst team in the league. Maybe
0: you trade him for Beal. Maybe I, I can't I can't argue that. But at so, the same, but at the same time,
1: this dude averaging twenty eight points a game. He is their entire team.
0: I know, I'm, and, and they, they've had they've had injuries. The only thing I, say I they hurt. have
1: they did play good basketball without him.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that's part you, of it.
1: That like, that does not help the case that like they were almost playing better when he when he was out of the lineup, and he's been he, a lot of his on off numbers aren't
0: that great. But, I just I just feel like Kendall to me, when your team is so bad. I just, I'm looking at your numbers with a with a massive grain of salt. How many? These, how much of these numbers like are, are gains out where your team is completely out of reach? You know how come? Because sometimes you can be on a bad team that's still kind of competitive. Like that's why I think Devin Booker has more of a case. One, because his team is better than the Wizards. They have a, They could. They might still make the playoffs. Like, like to me, like his team is competitive. I have seen them beat good teams. I seen them. I seen them lose close games where he's having big games like his 27 whatever he's averaging like he's he's earning them joints you know what i'm saying like Bradley Beal's team gets blown out every night Trey Young's team gets blown out every night like those guys i'd have i look at their numbers and i'm looking at it with a raised eyebrow cuz i'm just like how much is this is just they the other team knows we're going to blow you guys out so they're not even trying to really stop you because you're not enough to to overcome with what's happening and I do think it kind of inflates their numbers a little bit. If Bradley Beal was playing on a better team, his numbers wouldn't look like that. And maybe, and, and, and to me, if, you, if he was playing on a better team and his numbers did look like that, that'd be a massive issue. If Trey Young was playing on a better team and their numbers, his numbers looked like that, that'd be a massive issue. That team would be probably underachieving because they shouldn't be used be used like that. So to me, that's why the Beal case, I can live with more because if we're talking about guards, I'm assuming, I can't, I don't know what to assume, but for argument's sake, let's just say the the solids were Simmons and Butler. To me, I'm not putting Bradley Beal over Ben Simmons. This team is is one of the best Sims teams in the, the East. Simmons is a questionable one as well, man. But Simmons is one of the best defensive Simmons, players at his position. Like you gotta like Simmons is, I, I, has come on. He's come
1: on late. He's played well, but he's had a down year, man. His numbers have regressed.
0: And look, his and numbers, and look, look. His offensively, first, his numbers have regressed a little bit. I, I think to me, he's been the same player for the last and that, three years. That's, that's with, but but that's to, with him having
1: a an uh, incredible last two weeks, which again is that Dame Lillard All Star push, which more power to him. It, it, it's it's still relevant. He's helping the team win games, but like he hasn't played
0: well for the majority of the year. But I can't. Like, I, he was having a career year. But his team is not winning any games. And to me, Kendall, I can't, you can't quantify Ben Simmons' defensive impact on a box score. He's maybe the best defensive point guard in the NBA. So that's why I don't agree with the Ben Simmons argument. Because even if you're saying his offensive numbers aren't as good as they should be, he's still an all-NBA type defensive player. At the toughest position to guard in the NBA, and he's 6'10". So I, I, I can't... I, to me, the, the Beal and Simmons' argument is done on arrival because even if you argue Simmons' offensive numbers a little down, he's so much better than Bradley Beal defensively and in a, in a way that actually does impact winning games, being able to stop the ball, being the first line of defense. Again, at 6'10", he leads the league in steals. Like, I, I don't see the Ben Simmons argument for Bradley Beal, and I don't see a Jimmy Butler argument for Bradley Beal. So then we get to the to who were the, the, the odd people out or the, maybe the, the last ones. And then you're talking about, you know, maybe it's Lowry and Adebayo. Um, maybe it's Lowry and Sabonis. You know, because I, I, I would assume the forwards were probably, uh, the front frontcourt players were probably, Middleton was definitely one. I'd assume Tatum was probably the other. And then it's one of Sabonis and, and Adebayo. So then you're left with like a combination of Sabonis, Lowry, and Adebayo. I'm not putting B- Bill over those two big men. You need you, you need a balanced roster at some point, and you need to value other things other than just scoring. Both of those guys bring immense defense. I mean, that should be immense rebounding. Um, they, they their teams again are winning teams, especially someone like Sabonis, where they didn't have their best player all year, and he's had to take a step up. Uh, and and Adebayo on a team that was supposed to be uh. A lot of people thought maybe they would not sneak into the playoffs. They've been yeah. one of the best teams in the NBA. Like, There's don't argue with those two guys. And those guys, like they deserve
1: it. They've they've worked on it. But what I'm tired of with both the East and the West is the Lifetime Achievement Award. So we you think that count.
0: you think that Lowry and Paul got Lifetime with Achievement
1: Lowry Awards? And Chris Paul are purely Lifetime Achievement Awards because if Chris Paul, if their names were uh, De'Aaron Fox. Their names were John Morant. Those guys aren't making the All-Star game. There's no way. And I can guarantee you, if Chris, if Bradley Beal's name or Devin Booker's name was Chris Paul or Carmelo Anthony, those guys be starting. So, like, that's why we have to, we, we have to, and that's, that's why last week I, I was very indifferent about the way we vote because I'm like, look, I mean, the coaches mess it up too. Yeah, coaches just have saying. their own ways of the, the coaches have their own ways of, of fumbling this thing. For whatever reason, but, a lot of politics involved, a lot of stuff. Chris Paul, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's a popular figure among the coaches, or if, again, if it's just a respect thing. I think it's a respect thing. But and look, I'm, I've never. But Chris been the Paul, Chris ever. Paul's having a really Chris Paul's good year. Having a terrific year. I love watching the Thunder. I, the Thunder are more fun to watch now with Chris Paul than they are with Russell Westbrook for me. I love watching them play. I love watching them win basketball games. they I, I don't want to say I hope to make the playoffs, but they have a chance of making the playoffs. More power to him. He's playing excellent basketball. More better than I expected he would play there. But I'm sure that, like... The only actually, problem that Chris
0: Paul picked that I have, Kendall, is, and I, that's where I would have picked Booker over him, assuming it maybe was the last wild card spot. Is to me, look, Chris Paul, I know he's the captain, he's the leader of the team, but I, I can't point out exactly who's the guy on the Thunder that makes them go. There's too many guys. Like, I to me, like to put Chris Paul, it's like it's kinda like a diss to Shea, it's kind of a diss to Schroeder, it's kind of a diss to Gallo, it's kind of a diss to Steven Adams. Like, all five I of those guys, them. you could make the case could be all stars.
1: Yeah, Gallo, Shea, had, and and
0: yeah, and, and, uh, and Schroeder averaging basketball. 19 points a game. Steven Adams is you know, the grizzly bear tough guy, and yeah. he he's immensely important to what
1: they do. Yeah, we had Coach Nick on from Basketball Breakdown a couple weeks ago, and he stressed how valuable Steven Adams is. <laughs> you know, and how he's probably, I'm sure if you asked him, he would say he's by far the most valuable player on that team. Like, I mean, I, I read an article, or I didn't read the article, I saw the headline, I don't remember when it was from, or even who it was from. But the headline of the article was praising Chris Paul and praising the Thunder. It was, Chris Paul is not an all-star, and it's great for the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> like, they literally they literally said he's not an all-star. Yeah. And the, the Thunder are better for it. I think that was the headline. The Thunder are better for it. That's why, that's why they've been so good, but <laughs> he's not an all-star. He's Chris Paul. He's a Hall of Fame point guard, and he's playing better than... I would have expected him at his at his age. He's better. He's playing better than any other player in the league at his age, besides LeBron. But that that doesn't mean that we're just going to give him an All Star game when guy not not unless it's a one for one, very even. Like you notice, I'm not complaining that Kyle Lowry got in over Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown is averaging twenty points a game. Lowry's averaging nineteen. Lowry's also having seven assists. And he's on a team that's almost as good as Boston, if not just as good as Boston. And, like, lost, they, only they, have lost, they lost their best player. Yeah, he lost their best player. They only have one guy in. Boston has two, if you count Tatum. So I'm not going to complain that Lowry got in over Jalen Brown. It's a one-for-one deal. And, Jaylen, and, look, Lowry's been in the league longer. Like, I get it. When Devin Booker's averaging 28, 27, 28 points a game,
0: Chris Paul's averaging 19. 17. They both have six assists. Like yeah, Chris Paul is averaging
1: seventeen, he's not even averaging nineteen. Yeah, he's averaging seventeen. They both averaging six assists. Their team records are comparable. What are we doing here? My question like, would you be: You can't tell me Oklahoma City wouldn't wouldn't rather have Devin Booker for this season. Yeah. that would make things a lot easier for them offensively.
0: Yeah, I mean I, the Chris Paul. It's it's hard because Chris Paul has played so great. And the Thunder are one of the surprise teams. They're one of the best stories in the NBA. I mean, they're 29 and 20. I mean, that is remarkable. And, like, just that alone, you could argue they probably should get a all-star. But I just feel like what they do is so, is so cumulative in terms of, like, they need all of those pieces to work for them to work as a team that I almost would have preferred either a Devin Booker or a John Morant in that spot. Because I Try, feel like I feel like those two, those teams like job they, the Bridges don't have John Morant, we've seen what they look like with these same yeah, guys. They don't, league. Yeah, we we in Devin Booker, I don't even want to think about what the Suns look like without Devin Booker. I, I really don't. Um Devin Booker, Devin Booker. I feel bad Raptors, for it today. If Kyle Lowry missed three weeks, I wouldn't I wouldn't notice. That's
1: Honestly, Pat's I could miss like three weeks, I didn't notice. That's fair. But like there are certain teams that just operate in and of themselves. So how are we going to put Kyle Kyle Lowry in the All Star game when it's not like he's doing anything, you know, extraordinary? He's having a solid season on a good team. I'm not again. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve any credit, but it's it's who you're leaving off. Zach Levine and Bradley Beal are having extraordinary seasons. That if if and when they miss. Three weeks, it is noticed. When I'm watching the Wizards and Bradley Beal not out there, I'm like, "Whoa, like this team looks crazy." Whether or not they're winning games or not winning games, I see Isaiah Thomas is the is the is the is, is the head of the snake, <laughs> and I notice something is wrong. Mm-hmm. When I watch the Suns, Devin Booker, I, I believe, has played every game. Yeah, but if he he's has. not if, if he's not out there, it is very noticeable.
0: The Raptors, Fred VanVleet playing point guard. I'm, they're just as dangerous. But how much yeah. of that is just like a luxury of them having Fred VanVleet? Because, like, oh, let's say if absolutely. let's say if you guys traded Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, and Kyle Lowry was out for a game, and you had Wanamaker starting, I mean, you all would look a lot different than if if you, know, you had Kyle Lowry as your starting point guard. So that also could just be a luxury of just the team he's on, right? You know, I, I, I like I've, I fought for Lowry to to arguably get starter consideration last week, so. I don't agree that he shouldn't have made it. I think that he should have made it. To me, he's his point output is the most has been since twenty seventeen. Um, he's averaging all almost seven guys, assists. All, all these guys play outputs are the most since twenty seventeen. I, I I get that that is, that, is, that is and that is a fair point. But Kyle Lowry also an excellent defender at the point guard position. He's the leader of a team that again a lot of people didn't think would be very good and is uh is the second best team in in the Eastern Conference. I mean. To me, the Raptors need two all stars, based on way, the right. way they've performed. And a team, a guy from a team that has lost thirty-one games, I'm just not going to shed a tear for him. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not. My thing is win more games. If he, you know, if he, if he could have won twenty something games, I would have been okay. Like, but fifteen games, and you, and they won some games, where you weren't even out there. He probably only won like ten. Like, <laughs> probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, like so, like. So for him, like, I can't, I can't go that crazy, you know. Like, you know, Trey Young got lucky; he got the starter spot, so he didn't have the, the, he didn't get the scrutiny of his record because he got, you know, now the media did actually vote him really high, um, but the yet the player and the fan vote really boosted him, so therefore he got the starter, so he didn't have to worry about. Uh, his team I think the players and the fans they kind of respect the idea that look man the guy's averaging 29 and 10 it don't matter what team he's on uh, I think that there should be some weight to the numbers you're putting up and the context behind them and if the context is you're playing in non-competitive games that's got a huge red flag and you know Kyle Lowry could put up great numbers on a terrible team he, he could he put up better numbers than he is now the games he's playing in are way more competitive they're way more difficult they're way more challenging and they're winning their games. He's making the winning plays in a lot of those games. He's hitting clutch shots. He's making the right pass. He's playing the, the making the defensive play. Bradley Beal and Trey Young, you know, those guys aren't even in a position to make those plays because the games aren't competitive. So I, that's why it's so hard for me bad. to just, when I'm looking at the all-star spot to just look at numbers and put them on a board and say, okay, this is what I'm putting out. Now, I feel like, again, the Western Conference is a little different because I think Booker's team has been competitive enough to where I feel like you do have to consider that when you're talking about him versus Chris Paul. Or, you know, the guy we haven't talked about is, are we okay with Brandon Ingram making it? With his team only having 19 wins. I, I, I'm i a little skeptical about that one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, because I feel happy, because I'm happy for Brandon Ingram. I'm happy for him, too.
1: That, you know, he's kind of come on after a lot of people thought he was a bust, and he had a lot of scrutiny. Like, I'm not even going to question it, But... Like, I mean, him versus Devin Booker,
0: is it's a real question mark. I mean, I don't know if that was a if that was a wild-card discussion. I don't know anybody who thinks that Brandon Ingram is better than Devin Booker. And I've been talking up Brandon Ingram since last season. I'm not – I love Brandon Ingram's game. I'm not putting Brandon Ingram ahead of Paul George. I think Paul George is a guy who we're not talking about. Who got Paul, make Paul George didn't make it. And Paul George is better than Brandon Ingram, man. Again, I, I don't know what to say. Like well, then, Brandon Ingram may have better numbers, but he's he's a better that. player than him. On this list, on the East, man, Bradley Beal is better than everybody. No, but, but the, the difference team. is at least, Brad, but at least, but at least those other guys are winning. And his team is losing. Like i don't oh, like Brandon man. Ingram is a young player. He got he got like old man treatment. Where like, even though your team's bad, we know how good you are. It's like no, he should earn it. Just like Devin Booker has been missing in all these years. I don't know why Brandon Ingram didn't get the Devin Booker treatment. Devin Booker, that guy can average thirty five. He still ain't making no All Star team. <laughs> but they, people don't respect the Phoenix Suns. They, they respect- I don't know. I, 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 Yo, I'm swear to God, Kendall. I really feel like he got the Zion push. I think he did. I think people thought, Yo, look what he's doing without Zion, and they actually they won nineteen games without Zion. He's averaging twenty five. We gotta put him in. How you not gonna put him? How you putting him over Paul George? Yeah, two way stopper, averaging twenty three points a game. One of the best three point shooters in the league, and yes, he did miss some time. But the Clippers are the second best team in the West, third best team in the West. That to me didn't make any sense. That's the one I'm still struggling with. Um, that how he would have gotten over over um, Paul George, and I don't, and I don't understand how um, he could have gotten over Devin Booker. That I don't get. If, if it became a wild card matchup, and to be clear, because you guys are probably saying, what do you mean by wild card? The reserves, you have two guards, three forwards, and then three f- front court players, and then uh, two wildcard spots. So it could be either a guard or a front court player. It doesn't matter. And I would I would assume Brandon Ingram was one of the last spots. I I don't, I don't know. I don't see how he he how he gets in over PG and and Devin Booker. That to me, Devin Booker's team is, his number the better than Devin Booker. Excuse me, Devin Booker's numbers are better than Ingram's, and his team is better. And Paul George. Is Paul George, so I don't I don't get that. That's that's the one. Like your your beef with Bradley Beal, my beef is with Booker and George. I think those two guys they should have made the All Star team. I don't I don't see how they didn't make it. And I, the Chris Paul, I'm not offended by the Chris Paul pick. I wouldn't have put him on because again I just think that that team is so much of a. It's just every man is so needed. I just feel like it's kind of against the, the, the spirit of how they win games to pick anybody to make an all-star so, team. As weird as that sounds, I would have put nobody on the Thunder. But I get – but they're 20 – they have almost 30 wins at this point, which is unheard of based on what we thought they would do. So I get rewarding them. Like, I get that. I just wouldn't have done it.
1: To, to continue with the, uh, the Laugh Olympics, how do we feel about uh, – now, it's in good spirit, the way they want to honor Kobe at the all-star game. With the, this random change to the All Star format, um, where now it's going to be broken up into, I guess, like almost four different games that'll then culminate into one game. The three, the first three games will then culminate into one final game. The three, it'll be three quarters that are timed, and then the cumulative sc- score will be added up of those three quarters. To where the fourth quarter now will then be uh, whatever the, the winning team's cumulative score is, the the uh, plus twenty four. Yeah. There'll be a is, number that each team will have to get to. Yeah, it would be the target number. So that so essentially if the first three quarters the winning team is winning by is winning hundred to ninety five, then in the fourth quarter, the teams have to get to one twenty four. Uh,
0: it's. I don't. It's I don't understand this because to me that's just basketball. Like, why is that to be untimed? Well, like I don't like to me, me it, that, team, that team. That team would that team would have won anyway. If they if they beat the first team to twenty four, they would have won the game. Like why? I I don't know. This seems very complicated. I
1: see what you're saying.
0: You're like saying, to me, like like four like, isn't a number that like twenty four is the number that
1: teams get to easily is what, essentially what you're saying.
0: No, so, that's like, not even that. I'm just saying like to me, like less like to me, I don't understand why this doesn't. This really isn't much of a change from how the game is normally played. Because see, I, I think the team this, that was down would have to skip the team that's ahead of them anyway to get to a certain number. We just when, it, when it's an untimed when it, when the when the, uh, when the quarter is time, we just don't know what that number is. 't know See, the I, I will say I think it
1: puts more pressure and intensity on that fourth quarter the the first three quarters are kind of like still gonna be mad. I don't think it does but but I think in the sense that like the only thing that the NBA has to hope
0: for this to work the NBA has to hope that the those first three quarters are close. And that yeah, that is a hope against hope. I don't know why they would put I pin anything on they, the first three quarters of an been, NBA All Star game. That's yeah, ridiculous. they would have
1: been almost better off like just saying those first few quarters are irrelevant. We're going to reset to zero. That's are what they, they want should, to do. That? That's what they should do. But that's what they probably should have done. But because if one team is winning by like twenty points, then that fourth quarter is going to be just as it's still irrelevant. Boring, yeah. yeah. But if it's close, it could be it could be interesting to watch because when you untime it. Now each possession matters way more importantly. Like just like in the playground, you know, like you have to really guard on defense because, and on offense you have to really score. Like you can't just play the clock, right? You yeah, know? you can't. You know, now it's like I,
0: we have to score. Yeah, it's and, not just like a foul game at the end. Yeah, a a foul
1: game. game, and uh, you know. You know, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to take shots. If we miss, all right, we can just get another stop, get another rebound. That's another minute right. off the clock, you know. Yeah. Like, now it's like, I mean, if you guys miss three, four shots in a row and they come down and score, like, they're going to be in the lead, you know. So, yeah. you know, like, it'll be, I think, more intense in terms of each possession by possession. But to me, that only can happen if the game is close. Yeah, because if a game's a blowout, which are guys really going to be going super hard to try and come back from a 20-point deficit?
0: And if I if I remember correctly, uh, I scored forty points, you know, it, you know, with a twenty point handicap. And if I remember correctly, um, they're like they they're trying to do something to the other first three quarters make it worthwhile. So I think like they, a certain amount of money will go to charity if you win the other three quarters. Yeah, one hundred thousand dollars for the first three quarters. The winner the winner of the first three quarters one hundred thousand dollars goes to charity. Yeah,
1: the winner of each of. The I would also quarters. imagine you know they haven't said, but I would also imagine. Money go to the players um, to give them uh, even more incentive, but
0: um, but yeah, I I
1: don't know.
0: I, I'm not I'm not feeling this. I think this is this is. It just
1: seems, and again, I, I get you want to spice things up. I mean, I texted you this weekend because I was actually watching the NHL All Star Game right on. I guess it was Sunday, or was it last week? Saturday. It was Saturday. Oh, Saturday All Star yeah. Game was on Saturday. Yeah, because okay, I, yeah.
0: I, I worked that thing no, still like, no. it
1: wasn't the, it wasn't the, the Kobe day unfortunately yeah. but um but yeah all star all three games on Saturday and I was I was watching it and it was a three on three you know obviously they've set it up to now it's three it's a three on three tournament uh with each division I believe there's four divisions in hockey so it was easy to do because it split it up uh, into a final four type of thing final four type of tournament uh where it's three on three hockey and look it's not fun to watch from like a from a hockey standpoint but um it's really no different than and the any nhl circuit you know it's just a lot of scoring a lot of a lot of skill but no no real no real action um i i watched it and i realized that that is the way to go in the nba like if they want to drastically change things, which they already they already get it going that direction, clearly they thought whatever we've been doing the last 20 years, 30 years, it's not been working. It's not working now, yeah. So they're just like, we're gonna blow it up, and they're getting closer to that. They didn't want to do anything too drastic because it's only you know it's also gave given two weeks. Like there's certain things you can't change, like the the draft format and stuff. Right. So they decided, you know, we're gonna just change the way the actual game is played, uh, and the way it's scored, but if they really want to blow it up, if they did the same thing the NHL is doing, now it's harder to do because, like I said, I think there's only four divisions in the NHL versus six in the NBA. So I don't know how you would work that. But if they, did do a, if they did break it down by division, it's three on three. That could be very entertaining because we all, I mean, honestly, it's the same level of intensity that we're talking about with this thing in the fourth quarter you know, where it's going to be like a playground game. If you watch the big three, you know, and if you want to play that to 24, you can play that to 24. But, you know, if you watch the big three league, it's also very intense when it gets closer to the to the end. And imagine, like, imagine if, like, you had the Atlantic Division had a three-on-three team of, like, you know, Siakam, Kemba, Embiid, Simmons and Tatum, or you know the Pacific Division had LeBron, Kawhi, AD, you know Paul George
0: and Devin Booker. Like each division. That's the only. That's the right. only way Devin Booker is getting on an All Star team.
1: Yeah, exactly. Only they, way. they
0: probably still find a way to keep him. More. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh, look,
0: man, you know Ricky Rubio, he yeah. leads the team in assists.
1: Draymond's having kind of a decent year. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, what dream the Warriors would be the worst team in the league. Nah, no, um but the way cuz it's some it's similar to what we had when we had the East and West where it was like, you know, it was interesting to see rivals like you know on the same team, but it'd be even more intimate if you have the division rivals. Cuz I that's what I got from watching the NHL all-star game. It was even less of the 3 on 3 thing and more of like seeing these guys from different divisions or in the same division like on the same team like seeing you know you know Nico, Nico Hershire from the from the New Jersey Devils you know getting passes from like Sidney Crosby is is interesting you know like you know like these guys are are rivals Bitter rivals yeah you know in in on on a day-to-day level uh in the NHL but you know when then you then you watch them in the All-Star game and it, I I imagine that being even amplified in the nba um and i think it would be it would just make for better basketball but they have to do something to spice it up i think a three-on-three tournament is more engaging um i think it keeps the players more engaged i think you know you may lose some of the full court you know highlight reel that we get from from the nba but it also makes it probably a safer game you know and guys don't get hurt anyway but like Mm -hmm. you know Not less
0: things can happen. Less things can go wrong in a half court game. So I don't know. I I would. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, risk. It's a risk because you just don't know what three on three. I mean, we've seen a little bit what three on three basketball looks like with the big three, but um, you don't know how it looks on the NBA All Star format. So it's a massive risk. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I've I've been someone try it out with uh the rising stars. first. you could definitely do that. And look, I've been someone who has defended the NBA All Star game for a long time. But as I said on this show, the last two three years, it's been indefensible. It's been – it is unwatchable. These guys just give absolutely no effort and there's no competitiveness around it. And I grew up in the All-Star game. Yeah, it was highlights. Yeah, it was whatever. But, like, it was competitive. And, um, again, fourth quarters usually were outstanding if it was a close game. Now, even the fourth quarter, you got to get to the last three minutes to hope that it's close then and then maybe you'll get something. Like, it's – these guys really are going, like – not even half speed. They're going like 30% speed in the All-Star game. It's like it's coming like the Pro Bowl. So I'm all for anything spice it, anything to spice it up. I do worry, though, how that looks from a viewer standpoint on television. Um, we are way over time. So uh, I'm making the executive's decision. We will hold uh, Flames and Trash for next week. And I think in the spirit of Kobe Bryant, I don't know if I want to call anybody Trash per se this week, though. There was a lot that happened <laughs> even after the Kobe passing, you think people would have some sense, but I guess not. But we'll we'll skip that this week, and we'll go right to Kendall's court because we're already past two hours. So Kendall, what do you got this week? Um, interesting. Uh,
1: Kendall's court this week. Um, I'm going to talk about Tom Brady. Um, you gonna talk about Tom, Tom Brady? Brady?
0: You don't an audible at me? You had something else?
1: Oh man, you threw an audible at me, uh, <laughs> but. To be fair, uh, this was very interesting because Tom Brady uh, posted on his Twitter a picture. Um, it's just a black-and-white picture of him in the tunnel of an NFL stadium. And he, he tweeted this a couple hours ago, and it's blown up. Very cryptic. We don't know what it means. Um, and now people are speculating. You know, is Brady retiring you know teddy bruski he then commented on that there's always light at the end of the tunnel i don't know what this i don't know what this means um i do know that there's been a lot of speculation uh that there there's been a lot there have been a lot of speculation that tom brady uh you know is gonna leave new england um you know, a lot of speculation about where he could possibly be going and even leading up to the uh or in the aftermath of the Conor McGregor fight in at in T Mobile Arena on Las Vegas, the word was that uh Raiders could be the favorites to sign Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, which would also obviously be very interesting. You know, the picture is black and white, you know, you look at that and say, I mean obviously Raiders are black and silver, but like, you know, is that uh is that any connection? You know, is he is he is the stadium that he's in? Is it Allegiant Stadium? Uh um, Vegas. I don't know. I mean I'm just throwing things out there. But uh it's just I don't know what to make of of Tom Brady's uh Tom Brady's future, but
0: uh, this picture is uh is certainly one that I think is interesting. Yeah, the internet's kinda going crazy about what this picture means. According to Adam Schefter, he says that the Picture is not related to his football future, so yeah, it
1: could be. It could be a Super Bowl commercial for all
0: you know. Yeah, so yeah. you take that for what it's worth. Um, I, I've seen some people like kind of taking, showing different pictures of Gillette Stadium, and it it appears that it, it's Gillette Stadium that picture is from. Though it might be the visiting, may actually be the visiting tunnel from what I've seen. So that's interesting. Though to be fair, I don't know if like. The Patriots have a kind of a weird entrance to the, to the, to how they get to their locker room. They do have a regular tunnel, but they also have like a little like stairwell that they go down to. So it might have just been for visual purposes why they shot it like that. It might not be, oh, I'm in the visitors thing because I'm not going to be here next year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what this is. He definitely knew that this was cryptic and he did it on purpose, but I'm not 100% sure that it's related to his football thing. I could definitely see it being a, a Super Bowl thing. I could see it being a Kobe tribute. Aren't they both Nike? uh brady's underarm, underarm. oh I don't know. It okay. still could be a Kobe tribute. But. yeah it could be yeah but he's underarm i didn't think about that okay well that, that kind of throws the monkey wrench in it a little bit but if he could still absolutely be a kobe tribute um because he did i think he did tweet People about have- kobe's passing uh earlier in the week he hasn't done anything since and this is the first thing he puts up i i would be surprised if the first thing he puts up after is, you know talking about how he misses kobe is something cryptic about his future so I'm gonna say that I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna say that I believe Chef or I believe whoever told Chef that this is not about his football future, but I think he also knew he was drumming up drama and he decided this. Yeah, Brady. Out. That's the things. Like when you do something like that, like Brady's been in this business for. a he, while. He knows what he's you doing. Know?
1: This isn't like Patrick Mahomes posted something like this, or you know Lamar Jackson even like, and people started bugging out. Like I mean, look, maybe Lamar just didn't gra- he didn't grasp the the figure that he is now in twenty 20- in twenty twenty. But Brady knows he knows anything that he posts is gonna drum up speculation, especially given uh his contract situation and given uh everything that he said and all this this talk that's out there, like anything that he posts is gonna be viewed, and then something so cryptic like that um yeah, he knew what he was doing, so. I don't know what it means. Some people, there were rumors that Brady was in Nashville with his wife looking at schools. Yeah, I heard about that. You know, and now people say he wasn't. No, he wasn't in Nashville. I can confirm. So I don't know. But the Brady free agency, uh, the decision of Tom Brady is going to be the best thing that's happened to the NFL in a long time. And yeah, it, it should shine a light. This offseason is shining a light on the players, for both the players and the owners, that this is great for the NFL.
0: Oh, yeah, just like Because a lot of people look at
1: the the NBA and they don't like the player movement. You know, whatever. Peyton Manning's free agency was great for the NFL. Yeah. Those few weeks when you know where he was going. It was was tremendous television. Yeah. Imagine, and this is going to be even crazier. Yeah. I mean Philip Rivers is going to be on a new team. We don't know if Drew Brees is going to be back in New Orleans. We got James Winston and Mariota were the one and two picks back in what 2012, 2013 whenever it was and they're going to be on new teams potentially like not to mention we have got two or three quarterbacks that could be starting in next year from next year's draft. It's it's going to be it's going to be a wild quarterback carousel. And this is what the NFL should. uh, This is what the NFL should want. I don't almost go as far as to say that in the next CBBA, I don't know if they're ever going to do this, but they should almost have something where, like, quarterbacks can't be franchise
0: type which would be controversial on a lot of levels. Yeah, but that would be that. I don't think they, they, they would never. The players would never allow that. But, like,
1: that, that would be. uh, that that would be interesting, you know. The owners would be very against that, but um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very interested to see what happens with Brady and all these guys.
0: I am too. Um, I, I'm I'm I, I I agree. I think that player movement is good for the league and it does bring excitement. And um, I don't think it's great that the quarterbacks we have are on teams like forever, even though they're not good. Like Matthew Stafford, the fact that he's been on Lions all the time. that Matt Ryan's been on the Falcons all this time. Like, those guys have accomplished nothing where they've been. And they deserve better. And the league, the league deserves better. Like I think it would have been great to mix those guys up on another team and see what would have happened. Uh, so Brady's free agency will be, or whatever his situation will be, will be fascinating regardless of what happens. Um, but, yeah, I think he left a lot of people curious after that uh, cryptic message tonight. But um, that's going oh, to be where we're at.
1: Last thing.
0: Yeah. I want to say before we wrap up is that uh
1: you know in the beginning of the season for the nba we uh speaking on the all-star game we talked about uh you know who would be the two new guys uh that to make the all-star game we gave our predictions mm-hmm. Who would be the two guys to be first time all-stars uh one from the east one from the west uh your two picks ej do you remember no do you remember uh, I actually looked at the document.
0: Oh, good. That's
1: why that's why we have get the receipts. So your two picks, EJ, were Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. correct on that one, and Rudy Gobert. Hey, there we go. That's My I'm two picks about. were Luka Doncic, okay. right on that, one, and Larry Markin. It's not mm-hmm. right on that. Markin. Yeah, uh, was- well, I do think that I was like Jason Tatum will make it, but I just didn't want to do him two years in a row. But like uh, a likely story. Yeah, a very
0: likely story, but. Yeah, so I was wrong. I was one for two each day. Was two for two. There you go. Oh, you always you always, you could always rely rely on me in the clutch like Kobe. Um, that's gonna wrap this week's show. Uh, I do want to uh, make note that I I dedicate we all dedicate this uh, podcast to our, our late grandfather uh, Robert Pearson who passed away this past weekend. Um, we love you, Grandpa. We miss you. He uh, loved sports. Loved basketball. Loved talking sports with us. A lot of the knowledge I have about sports about the history of the game um of basketball and football and all these things not only come from my dad but a lot of chats when i was a very young kid as my with my grandfather so um and he loved this podcast he listened to this podcast he's listened to new generation sports talk when it was a radio show at hunter college and um he's always been our biggest supporters one of our biggest fans and uh we, we we're gonna miss him a lot but um I did want to make sure I shouted him out and, and dedicated this show to him and uh, hope that he's proud. I have a feeling he is proud, and we're going to keep moving because I know that's what he wants. That being said, that's going to wrap this show, guys. You can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, catch us on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on uh, social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And on Facebook, New Generation Media. Uh, follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Uh, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Take care these guys. Peace.